Yeah, here, we're fine. Have you ever felt emotions? Then do we have the podcast for you. Feel Feelings is a weekly podcast where comedians Danny Getz and George Bruderman sit down with some of the funniest, emotionally distraught people, i.e. comedians, they know, and talk feelings. Every Friday, hear very funny people reminisce on Ren and Stimpy, worry about the Wizard of Oz, and emote over their emo phase. Check out Feel Feelings with Danny and George, a show about feelings and the things that make you feel them. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. I am your host, Mike, here with my man, Luke. And uh, today we have a very special guest, a good, dear friend of ours, musician extraordinaire, uh, Mr. Jeff May. What's up, Jeff? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on in. Um, today we decided what we will discuss, um, is prog rock. <laughs> prog. We're getting proggy. We're getting proggy. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think we're looking forward to it cause we have kind of three different, I feel like, pers- different perspectives. Yeah. Different perspectives. Very different. Yeah. Very different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Jeff described at himself. At times. At times. Jeff's described himself coming in as being the hammer <laughs> to, to right the wrong. <laughs> I, I plan to be like how CNN has conservative viewpoints just so that they have something to battle over because <laughs> they have to fill 24 hours of time. I like prog rock, um, but I don't love it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my, yeah. and that's, that's it. And I have my reasons and we're going to yeah. talk about them. Yeah. So, um, going into things, uh, maybe Luke can kind of take over. Please. Okay. And the say, maybe like the origin story of prog rock, because we have, before we have prog, we have psychedelic rock. Okay. I think that's kind of like the precursor and kind of Luke's uh, bread and butter. All right. So I think I can point to like <laughs> at least like a couple albums that are like this is what, why this happened or and a couple people. So one I would instantly say is like Bob Dylan. Okay. So like Bob, uh, Bob Dylan comes in and he's writing uh, like imagery songs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like you know, wave with one hand spinning, laughing, silhouetted by the sea. You know, it's that kind of more, it's poetic and it's not like, um, you know, it's not twist and shout. Is, right. You know what I'm right. saying? So yeah, yeah. you have like that, I feel like is the first thing. So, and also Dylan expands the song form in rock uh, that had been like in folk, but he, you know, kind of melded that with that lyric. Yeah. I feel like, so that's like the first thing. The second thing would be, uh, Sergeant Peppers and mm-hmm. Pet Sounds. Pet Sounds first, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, Brian Wilson is like, I'm gonna make an album that you don't dance to, that you listen to, mm-hmm. to get your rocks off. Yeah. So that idea of listening to a record and using the studio, right? And before him would be Phil Spector, who was the first guy to kind of use the studio art formed as mm-hmm. in that nature, where he's mm-hmm. like, I'm painting. Like this isn't for live. That yeah. was the other thing. Like, yeah. it wasn't for live. It was for, it was like, you know, do it for the gram, do it for the album. Right. So that was like the whole purpose. And then Sgt. Pepper's after that with like, uh, I mean, especially like a day in a life on that album. Mm-hmm. 
that's like pretty proggy for that point in yeah. time. Um, and then I feel like out, outwards grows the psychedelia, and I feel like we'll talk about that a little bit more, especially in Pink Floyd's case, who were highly psychedelic before they were prog. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, and yeah. Pink Floyd's, I think, uh, I think people forget that Pink Floyd does kind of I, fall I under the prog rock umbrella. Oh, I did not forget. No, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever listened to their first four albums? Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, Umaguma is like <laughs> some some rough some rough stuff. It's yeah. a lot of a lot of avant-garde risk-taking recorded material right yeah Yeah, like some of this is going to be bad like five minutes of tape delay sounds (laughs) i mean that's a song and that's very much in the kind of the 20th century classical elements that play into prog rock yeah a lot of kind of atonal things are changing key signatures and changing time signatures and all those types of things um especially going back to the beatles and that psychedelic stuff Using Baroque forms and classical music stuff, Brian Brian Wilson was heavy into that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, using uh, like harpsichord. Yeah, so that those are all, like that. in my opinion, super strong elements of prog rock in general. Are that kind of like orchestral classical music type of yeah thing, and that would kind of give rise to I think what would we would call as the classic prog rock bands like Yes, Genesis, King Crimson, like mm-hmm. that kind of wave, because a lot of it was like these English kids who like went to music conservatories, you know, and stuff like that, who have this very strict and rigid kind of classical training right. that they had to adhere to, but they also loved like Elvis. So, right. you know what I mean? Like they wanted to add some volume and some, you know, different kind of elements. Like it's like classical music that swings. Right. You know, that, so like, that was the goal. I wanted to, so like, that's like a little bit of like the background. Mm. But like, what was your first experiences? That's what like I think that's curious with prog rock. Yeah, like when did you like know it was a thing, and like how would you have gotten into it? Because like we just kind of like laid out pretty like accessible bands like, yeah. that everybody loves that were the driving force of that movement of rock. So like I think it's interesting what was accessible to like you know to you, yeah. like you know. Like how did yeah. how did you get into it? Like what was the first thing where you're like, oh yeah, I guess I I might be into prog. Well, my first I guess exposure to that genre in a deep sense was the Dark Side of the Moon album by Pink Floyd. I mm. got that. It was it was probably the first CD that I bought with my own money. I was like 13 years old. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it was ten ten dollars at Walmart or eight dollars at Walmart, and I was going through that phase of discovering music and basically you know going to going on the internet and looking up the hundred greatest X dot, dot, dot albums of all time and just listening to a variety of things before streaming. So you had to go out and buy it. Yeah. Um, but Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon and in the same kind of summer or same period, 2112 by Rush. Yep. Because that was on a list of, you know, the 25 greatest guitar albums of the seventies or some, something yeah, I read right, in, some, right, right. in some magazine. <laughs> yeah. And then I tried to discover new things I had never heard of. I didn't, I didn't have that music played in my house growing up. So yeah. do you yeah. think it expanded you to further listen to more prog or at least like the long format? Cause I mean, dark side of the moon is like literally almost one song. If you kind of think about it in that sense. Yeah. It's a sit. I mean, you want to, I mean, if, when I listen, I want to sit and listen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like if I hear breathe on the radio, I'm like, <laughs> okay like yeah. where's the next one because now right. you like psyched me up to hear the whole thing because yeah. it's that great yeah i mean i i started to go deep on some of those bands the archetypal bands the pink floyd yes rush king crimson mm. um some of the frank zappa stuff that i think is yeah definitely very much in the progressive rock 
quote unquote yeah. vein of everything. Yep. Um, so listening to those albums and really consuming those starting from the age of, you know, 13, 14 through 16, 17, that was a lot of the music I was listening to. I was, I bought a guitar. I'd start to learn guitar. So these are riffs you learn. I mean, I hate them, but I, <laughs> I, I, I should say I hate some of them, but you know, I know the four big Jethro Tull hits <laughs> yeah, that right. I can't stand to listen to, but I learned them on guitar because yeah. everyone learned these songs. Sitting when you... on a park bench. <laughs> so, I mean, the progress, progressive rock, especially when you start, when you pick up a guitar and you learn a guitar, you learn to play guitar when you're 13, half of everything that you read about or you talk about with other guitar players can be categorized under prog rock. Yeah. Because it's what people hear as virtuosic and yeah. things to aspire to. And Yeah, that's like the other aspect I don't think we touched on mm-hmm. is the, uh, how how uh, well played everything is. Oh, like, yeah. you know, everyone's a, like a virtuoso. Everybody. Yeah. And yeah. that that's like one of the crazier things about the the genre as well is it's not really accessible to everybody mm. to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's chal- yeah, it can be challenging. I mean, in that what, way. what what did you listen to first, Mike? Uh, I mean, I kind of backtracked because I was because really like when I started getting guitar heavy, I as people know was like really into metal and stuff, mm. and then I got switched on to um, two bands that I can give examples of is like say. Um, uh, between the buried and me mm. and Opeth, yeah. Uh, between the buried and me, an American band, I think from North Carolina that play have been categorized as like art core, art mm. death core, whatever, whatever. But I listen to it, and I'm like, yeah, this is just prog rock, really. It's just really heavy prog rock, <laughs> you know. Uh, Opeth, in contrast, has much more of that kind of Scandinavian metal approach, mm. and I think in the beginning. Uh, with them, their sound, uh, it was very much true to that sort of Swedish death metal form uh, where they kind of ended up later in their career evolving and kind of doing much more of a, you know, deep purpley, rainbowy kind of inspired thing. Um, so that's kind of where it started. And then eventually, yeah, just as a byproduct of playing guitar and getting into more kind of complicated uh, guitar things, whatever technique, scales, whatever, uh, you can't help but kind of you know, listen to yes. I mean, I, you know what I mean? Genesis never really did it for me. And in preparation for the podcast, I'm like, I'm going to, I have this cool pressing. It's like Genesis. It's the album Foxtrot and the album Nursery Crime on like one double LP. It was released as like a, as a compilation thing in like the 80s. On for vinyl. free. For just get for, rid of it. No, no, no. Um, and it's just, oh man, it was hard. I it mean, was hard. Nursery Crime itself is a perfect example of that highfalutin ironic album name that yeah yeah seemingly every prog rock has five albums that have these super corny names yeah (laughs) absolutely um so yeah so i would say in in that way and then obviously discovering pink floyd kind of the other side of the coin uh, in terms of the approach to like in other words it was like i listened to prog metal and then i went to prog rock and then i kind of broadened my scope to say Okay, just progressive music as a whole in varying forms. You right. know what I mean? I am the exact opposite of like both of you. I was like <laughs> hated this genre mm. that I had truly never listened to. Yeah. Right. So I listened to like what I would say was punk in high school. Like what I liked, I kind of was into like 70s punk. I was never into like modern punk. So it was like never in a scene oh, of man. this nature. Jeff also loves Green Day like the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Dookie over here. I'm more of a Nimrod guy. <laughs> Listen, warning. 
is where it's at. So we all know. All right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I didn't listen to any of that. And uh, I was very stubborn and uh, I was would would highly classify myself as a music snob. Yeah. Hard music snob, which I still, I mean, I get called that now, but uh, listen, guys, I just got, ta- I have taste. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's a taste. <laughs> no, not a different strokes of different folks is what I'm really yeah. saying. Yeah, True. absolutely. And, you know, I'm trying to be humorous, but uh, yeah, so I hated it. Um, And really what it was, was like Mike kind of, when I like first started hanging out with Mike, Mike was like, Hey man, you like Black Sabbath? And I was like, Yeah, I like I like Black Sabbath. I love Black Sabbath. And he's like, Yeah, me too, man. And then we kind of bonded on that. And then we started listening to like Mountain. And then we listened to Cream. And then like we because we started like listening to all these bands together, we really got into like heavy rock, uh, proto metal mm-hmm. together. Like we were just kind of like opened up that door. We're like, Well, what else is like Black Sabbath? And then from Black Sabbath, who also got rather proggy at some points, mm-hmm. uh we kind of like kept growing and, and then we'd go to the record store together and be like, well, what's up with yes? Like, you know what I mean? Cause like all these bands, we, you know, they kind of played together, existed together, coexisted. Yeah. And then we, I think me and Mike kind of were like, well, like, especially me and I kept getting wrong. Like someone would give me an album and be like, try it. You'll like it. And mm-hmm. then I'd listen to it. And I was like, Oh crap. So, and then at some point I think my wall just came down where I was like, yeah, I do like Ted Nugent. <laughs> and you know i do like yes and i guess i like king crimson and you know like yeah. all the i guess i mean like zappa never did it for me but you know what i'm saying like yeah. it kind of all you're, you're came in hot, that you're a hot rats kind of guy though you can get into that one album at the that's very incredibly least. proggy i yeah. would probably say that's like his most like straightforward proggy like in that nature yeah because yeah. it's not as weird like but yeah that's yeah. why i don't like frank zappa it's too weird I don't. I. It's just too absurd sometimes. Yeah, he. Covers the whole thing is like a Monty weird. Python movie that I don't want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but so yeah, we kind of like laid it out, like how we got introduced, like especially like for me too. Like I made those connections with the Beach Boys, the Beatles, and psych, you know, psychedelia, especially from Cream. Like Cream for me was like so mind opening to like every other form of music in, yeah. in the rock uh, sphere. Yeah, and and. That that I think is the other side of the coin, which is like on one side of it you have, yes, you have uh, Genesis, you know, you have the the quintessential prog rock bands. On the other side of that, you have like the Grateful Dead. You have sort, you know, bands that also did long form songs, right? But it was, it you know, there was a basic kind of shell of the song, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of exploration allowed within the confines of the song. As opposed to say how Yes would play a song that's intensely complex, but they would play it the same way every single time, yeah, just front to back, precision, yeah. and all laid out. All their arrangements is so are so tight. right, right. So it's like yeah, it's like if Beethoven like, wrote rock and roll. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, like, like that's what they were going for. Like yeah. the, the Yes album was that the the fourth? No, I mean I don't even know what album that is. I mean I could probably figure yeah, it out. Yeah, maybe in a like second. third or fourth. It's. Okay, now I want to know because it's the first, second, third is the Yes album. Fourth is yeah, it's the fifth so, album. I think. Okay. So anyway, the fifth album by Yes, the Yes album, it's got that green cover. That's only three songs. That's a whole movement. Yeah. Like it's just that's what it is. It's like and that, it's meant. It's also meant to be listened to. Yeah. In that, and also like I want to talk to. I wanted to say like what will lend itself to prog. I feel like initially as well to take off as a genre was the format of vinyl, which we all know that like I'm heavily into. Me and yeah. Like, but yeah, like that. I mean, because like when I'm in the car, like prog's not as accessible in the car you, you know what i'm saying yeah you kind of have to make the time to listen to it which 
kind of leads into something we were talking about earlier, which was like, you know, when when I discovered prog rock, it was it was a new thing for me. So I was very gluttonous with it, and I just like consume, consume. But now that it's been a little bit of a while, and I went back to start listening to prog rock again. <laughs> you know, like we said, it's kind of, it's kind of like a chore, and as, I don't mean to. As I don't the mean kids to, are saying, it hit different. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's kind of exhausting. It's like I don't have twenty five minutes so, to listen to one yeah. song. You so, know? are you and, telling me at the older age, Dad Mike was like, "Prog's a little much." Yeah, maybe. I mean, I still love it. Like, okay, you know, we put my son to bed. My wife, she paints, so she went into her room and started painting and stuff, and. um you know, I kind of had like an hour and a half, so I spun a couple of records, just, you know, put the headphones on so it wasn't loud, you know, and just laid on the living room floor and just spun some, you know, prog metal albums that I have. Um, but it's it's like, yeah, it's it's tough for somebody who's just kind of... Because the thing about this music is it, in a way, it demands your attention. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... Because otherwise it'll pass you by. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's it's. And you're like, what just happened? It's almost like a book, right? Like, I feel mm. like that's what it is. Because like, I'll be listening to like, like I was listening to Yes the other day in headphones, and I like drifted off for a minute, and it turned into like this like raucous like funky thing, and I was like, what? When did that happen? I love <laughs> we... this. I was like, I wish I list- would listen to the build up to this. It was probably <laughs> yeah. pretty good, you yeah. know? Yeah, th- those bands seemed like they would much rather instead of have an album of ten four minute songs, mm-hmm. they want five. 10 minute songs because yeah. they're te- what they do in 10 minute song is they're going to shift multiple times. Anyway, they're going to go through these four different moods or feelings or keys or timing, yeah. or, you know, they'll have the first five minutes will have trumpets. And then the for the next five minutes is guitar solo. And that goes to drums for two minutes. So it's, it's much more about the full view of the piece rather than here's a cool thing that was cool for four minutes. They find a way to bridge a thing for four minutes, bridge it between another thing with something else. Like, yeah, I I found that like just like kind of listening back. Like, I, I mean, I didn't like dive like incredibly, incredibly deep. I wanted to kind of like hit the surface of like the. I wanted to listen to yes, and then I listened to yes, and I listened to some Uriah Heap, which is more like on the medley side, uh, like the Sabbathy side of Prague. I feel, mm. and then uh, you know, and then I kind of was sitting there and I was like, oh yeah, Floyd. And I put on Dark Side of the Moon, and it played for me so much better than the rest of them. Yeah, because I feel I feel like Floyd mastered the long form song, but also in that they were more like humanist as well. Like the vision of the concept of the piece was so striking and almost like evident. Because I feel like that album hits with almost every person. That's why it's so popular. Yeah. And it hit on that level of like human being. Well, and, yeah. and that's, I feel like that's also like was like another thing. I was like, maybe that it's not as accessible to other people because a lot of the time Prague was like a fantasy escape, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons kind of. Yeah, uh, trip. absolutely. You know what I mean? Where, because they were singing about like wizards and like <laughs> mountains, like uh, literally, it like was kind of. <laughs> It's kind of, yeah, like it's very Lord of the Rings inspired kind of deal, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah Tolkien yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I would. And then, I, yeah, I, agree yeah with that. I, I found that like, that's why, like, I was like, why is this one? And it's like, it, it is just like, I mean, the rest of them, it's not, I mean, it's a long, it's a whole movement. Like, yeah. Dark Side of the Moon's a movement, you know? Yeah. And then, like, that's, I was like, uh, I feel like that's why it hit different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the kids say. Yeah, I mean, that's my number one con- critique of prog rock and why I, I just, 
I can't get into loving all of it. I like a lot of it and I do love some of it, but I don't love the concept of prog rock because I think it is lacking in feeling like heart. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot of thinking. Yes. There's a lot of thought and there's, but it's, it's, it's missing that emotional side for me and I just don't connect to it. But yeah, Pink Floyd, these are guys who, you know, their parents fought and died in world war two. And they're singing about being an abandoned generation in a time where technology is taking over, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you could say the same thing. Radiohead did that in the '90s with OK Computer. Right. It's years later. I mean, I listened to, I listened to Marvin Gaye, "What's Going On," and I thought it reminded me so much of "Dark Side of the Moon." It's eight yes. songs, ten yeah, songs that uh, go into yes. each other. Yeah. That all are talking about all aspects of society and culture. Yeah. The world our humanity, wars, et cetera, et cetera. And I was just like, oh yeah, these are white British dudes version of a, how do I connect with as many people as possible with my music? So yeah. so let's talk to this now, right? Okay, so we got that. Would you say that Stevie Wonder's like Songs in the Key of Life where that is like a giant, oh. almost like all those Stevie Wonder albums are like kind of theme? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially, uh, what is that, Inner Visions? Like, yeah. come on, Inner Visions is like the whole too high, like living for the city. You know what I mean? Like, I get that vibe. I mean, yeah, Songs in the Key of Life, you could call that a soul prog rock album. Yeah. And yeah. It's like 28 songs and it goes in every direction And possible. I would say like, yeah. You making that Marvin Gaye point too? I'm like, man, that in it all they all siege in, like it's all movement. It goes into one song, it's mm-hmm. continuous on the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, man. No, I dig that. I never thought of that, and I feel now that you're saying that 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 might have some kind of like, like let's talk like white boy English version of that, and then let's talk like American, you know, soul version of that. Yeah. Like that's what that is to me. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. That's what I hear when I like hear that. Yeah, it's interesting how they come from two pretty different kind of schools of music mm-hmm. um but that we you know you can kind of find that sort of uh, bridging quality between like like we said like a stevie wonder album and a pink floyd yeah. album or, or marvin gay album and a pink yeah floyd man that's album, dope you know? that's like, why that's, i love music that's yeah that's great. <laughs> right, right. yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah that's what that's that's where my disconnect is because it's musically like even with no lyrics no con none of that content musically it's so it's so european sounding yeah. it's so taking from bach and wagner and beethoven and it's not from the american r&b tradition yeah. of rock and roll right. and soul and hip hop and everything that's coming in america which is from a lot of artists who are people of color yeah and a lot of people in the prog rock world are not people of color. It's it's completely different musical heritage and musical background. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, one is very like classical, like Western approach, right. very like mathematical kind of approach to music, and the other one is very much rooted in kind of like uh you know, like the uh like the African like hard rhythm rhythmic mm-hmm. quality kind of to it. You know, not that okay, yeah, you listen to like Wagner, Wagner's like real bass heavy and there's a lot of bang booms right. and stuff like that, but it's not not in the way that you get from, you know, like uh, Africa or say even maybe like India, because India has like really crazy complicated well, that, and stuff too. But like, that's that, bringing that back to like you R&B, just said but. that, like I also want to note like the Indian effect on uh, like English musicians from the Beatles and around the world also oh, yeah. led. I mean, that's like one of the biggest examples of how people got prog. Like the Stones started, you know, and then everyone kind of had a sitari song and then it kind of. Yeah. You know, the experimentation of it as well. Right. Because 
I also wanted to talk to too. Like we were talking how classical music. Um, you have any of you ever heard of the album uh, Switched or uh, uh, oh, Switched on Bach? Yeah, Switched on Bach, the, the, the Moog. Moog Bach album. Yeah. Like is that the, the Wendy Carlos album? I where don't. It's the Moog synthesizer, and it's like sampled on Clockwork Orange and all that. Uh, that oh, I don't know if that's. I I can see the cover though. It's, yeah, it's, it's basically this dude like dressed as Bach. Yeah, it's this like dude like dressed as Bach in front of like a giant Moog, like the first yeah. Moog that was ever invented. Yeah. Um, that's one of the first. It's the first, if not the second Moog album that was ever released. I, I think. think it's the first. Yeah. The first thing that was. Yeah, it was recorded on Moog. was Bach. (laughs) And I feel like that had an effect also. That, like, was the... Like, because, like, okay... Well, because then you hear Rick Wakeman and it makes sense. Well, also, like, the the Bach influence, like, where did that come from, man? Like, you know what I mean? Like, all these guys were, like, listening to, like... I mean, like, obviously the Beatles were listening to, you know, Brian Wilson. But that album, tons of people bought that album. And Mm -hmm. then tons of people bought Moogs. Yeah. Like, and then... All you started hearing on these albums was Moog synthesizer. It was everywhere. Yeah, and it was that kind of that hard transition from the if your band had an organ, it was like a Hammond sort of B three running through like a Leslie speaker, and then there was like a hard turn to mm. more synthesizer heavy, more keyboard heavy, yeah. rather than organ heavy. And I think that I think that might have some of have have had some effect on people because if that's the first time you listen to the instrument and it's Bach and you're in a rock band, and you get a Moog, the first thing you're probably going to play on it is Bach-type stuff, if it's the only thing you've ever heard. Yeah, it's, mm. especially because that instrument, when the Moog came out, it's it's where you what you are programming had to be very yeah. contrapuntal and uh, classical-based. And I think because prog rock has such an, such an obsession with adopting the new musical technology, the fact that the Moog was on the market was a, a huge tool for the prog rock guys to use because it took up a wall. It probably cost a hundred thousand dollars at the time. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was like the big dick energy move Yeah. was to get this big wall that you have to plug wires in and hopefully you can do in the right order where it plays something that's like, but it can't bend notes. It can't, or the, or all those kind of oscillators, those were interpolated like three years later. Yeah. By a lot of the jazz fusion guys, et cetera, et cetera. Oh who, yeah, that too. Are all about yeah. the blues notes, so they had to figure out ways to make the note itself warble. But yeah, I mean that that instrument, and think of all the new instruments that people adopt in prog rock. Whether it's the Chapman stick, which is mm-hmm. well, Tony Levin from King Crimson plays, is like an eight string bass, some stand up, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. To like all the drum machines and yeah. like handheld drum machines and electronic um, wind instruments. Yeah. Yeah, and then they, well, and then they'd throw in curveballs like these, like old English, like folk mandolin style. Yeah. Th- you know what I mean? Oh so, yeah, like I feel like that's like the Togany influence. Like that's uh, Bob Dylan too. Like right, so mm. you got like the weird lyrics and folk music. I feel like they were taken everywhere. You know? Oh yeah, because I mean, you listen to Yes album, right? And to like the other thing too, like Dark Side of the Moon to like our point earlier of like soulful, it has like funky bass lines, in right? It. Funk, mm-hmm. right? Same with Yes, and Yes was super popular and super accessible, mm-hmm. and it was a huge band, huge band. Yeah, right. Chris Squire, that mm-hmm. like Roundabout, that's a funky bass line. It's just like so. Even like uh, uh, like long. What is that song? Long distance run around. Like oh yeah. 
Yeah, it's just so, you know, it's more melodic and more funky. Yeah. So I feel like that too, like to what we were saying, I feel like the most popular ones of the genre were the ones that were rooted still heavy in like, like, um, you know, you know, like uh, R and B blues, R and B and blues music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I, I like I, um, I, I kind of went down the rabbit hole a little bit this past week thinking about prog rock bands and stuff, and how I uh, discovered Gentle Giant, which is like a band that I haven't really, I never really, really got into, and I'm just like, well, you know, they're in the the, you know, when when you look up a list, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, let me try it out, and um, yeah, not for me. Why? It, because, Let's talk about just, why. Because I listen to it, and like to me, it's, it's just like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And that's the vibe that I was feeling when I listened to it, because I'm like, it just seems, I don't know, it seems self-indulgent almost. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I, and I and I dig it. I'm like right on because because let's be real here, I can't play that stuff. Can I tell you? You know what I mean? But it's also like when I have like when I'm hanging out with friends and I want to create like a nice atmosphere for the evening or whatever, Bronze. I'm not gonna put on Gentle Giant, man. You know what I mean? Uh, depends you know? what kind of friends you're hanging out with. Yeah, I guess I suppose so. But it was just I, I just I don't know. I just wasn't really vibing with me. I don't know. I, I, I just it it was too hectic. That band just just my input on that band. I listened to them because they were on a list. Nothing about them stuck with me. I have no memory of listening to them. But I know I listened to like two of their albums. Yeah. And that's not a disc against the band. It's just, again, like, it's it just didn't really connect with me. Yeah. I feel like what Mike's saying, too, where it's like, I feel like the just because you should, you know, thing. Yeah. Or just because you can doesn't mean you should. Uh, I get that, like, a lot, too, from, like, uh, Emerson, like, and Palmer. And I know that oh, they yeah. were super accessible, too, but, like, yeah, they, they never really resonated. They with me rubbed either. me the wrong way every yeah. time, and I don't know why. You know what I mean? Like that one, Which and they weird. never stick with me either. Like I hear it, and I'm like, oh, it's like, so tough for me. It's one of those if if an Emerson, Lake and Palmer song comes on the radio, you're kind of sitting there like, who the hell is this? And then you and they're like, that was Emerson, Lake and Palmer. And you're like, oh, yeah. you're like, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, they to me they're like the power tree ver- power trio version of the Trans Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> Like I just never want to put it on. Yeah, I I I could have it on, and I wouldn't run across the room to turn it off. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's nothing. I I never seek out ELP. Great players. Yeah, I mean, and and we got to talk about Greg Lake as the lead singer and bass player of on the first King Crimson album, which, in my opinion, probably the best prog rock album of all time. Yeah, okay, and if oh, not uh, the best, it was the best first one. Right, or, right, you know, right. The most like earth shaking, like yeah, because that was early. That was sixty nine, and like the when you think about like the prog rock era, you're thinking like early ish to mid 70s. into late seventies. Yeah. yeah, you think of seventies as being the prog rock, where sixties is more psych. Okay, so like we talked about like maybe what we don't like. So we're talking King Crimson, which we all at this table listen to the album. We all we enjoy. can agree on that one. Yeah, why do we yeah. like it compared to the others in the genre? Like what's why like what's up with that? Like why do we why, like this genre for us is tough because like some stuff we're like yeah that's good. Yeah, uh, it's not something we want to listen to every day, and but we really enjoy it at its core. I to mean, other stuff where we're just like it's rather forgettable for us. Like, so what? What do you think the difference is with that? Like, uh, King Crimson album. For me, that album is my favorite King Crimson album because I like Greg's Greg Lake's voice more than the other vocalists. Afterward, in King Crimson, I love the saxophone. I think that guy's name is Ian something McKay or Ian. I don't know. Sorry, 
no Ian dis- McKay, no disrespect, uh, lead singer okay. from Minor Thread, <laughs> yeah, I know. and <laughs> I know, but it's some, it's something like that. Mel Collins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's something like that it's, well, it's definitely Ian something listen I'm trying to do research while Jeff is talking and it, there's it's just there's a separate Wikipedia page for the list of King Crimson character members characters, characters. I like I mean, how you put that yeah I mean they, I, they might as well be characters well and and so the the saxophone the, so the the Reeds player played saxophone which was much like the Dark Side of the Moon soulful sax a lot of times. He played the flute. They had the keyboard player played a lot of Mellotron, which was a, which is a tape instrument that samples Yeah, orchestras. Robert Fripp, um, who's the Mellotron guy. Oh, I'm a big fan of the Mellotron as well. I, I love the Mellotron. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the sound of that, the kind of, it's like sampled orchestras. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a beautiful, unique sound. But that's why that album is just... It's more like the psychedelic rock than it is like the sci-fi opuses. Even though that that album, the first King Crimson album, at least some of those tracks are very long, orchestrally based kind yeah. of experiments. And but because of the just the sonic qualities of that album, I love that album. It sounds it's so warm. It's before things kind of got thinned out, in my opinion, in mm-hmm. the '70s, in the mixing and the dryness of things and how things were jacked up with the treble. Because people were doing a lot of cocaine during that era, <laughs> yeah. and you got to keep the highs high, <laughs> and so that's that's why all the mids are taken out of the stuff in the seventies. But that that King Crimson, like the Mellotron, that you can hear the warmth in like the cello samples, which yeah. in the mid seventies that stuff sounds so airy and so like vacant. Yeah, I I I know I I think his his that's like a valid point, especially the, yeah. the bass point too, because like uh, I feel like the difference is. You know, you know, forgive the the drug connotations, but uh, weed versus like the cocaine later, right? Yeah. Like that, it's it. You know that yeah, weed that and does, psychedelics versus no, much it, it more is. like high energy stimulants. Yeah, no, because that, yeah. that that's like you know that's something that like, kind of it's it's taboo to like say, I guess you know whatever. But like uh, if we're to, uh, being honest and talking about music, like all these people were doing drugs like in heavy amounts. Oh like, yeah, it's absolutely. Well documented. You, you can't, know. that's what you can't get away from that one. Yeah. So I mean like, <laughs> and that's an interesting thing too. on like the, the writing production side too, which is like, you know, maybe like more sitting down, more bassy, more like, you mm. know, maybe even more soulful a little bit. I don't yeah. know. It's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. I, I think that album plays so well too, just because like, all right, 21st century schizoid man. I mean, First of all, killer opening song to an album. And like, let's For talk. a debut album on top of it, you're like, wh- it immediately grasps you. It's like from the jump. It's like, what is happening? And it's clocking in at seven minutes and 24 seconds long, but it plays like a single. Yeah. You know what I mean? You hear it and it plays I feel very like much like you, a single. You are excited to hear what's next the entire time, even when you've listened to it a million times. Yeah, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. Yeah. Because even the that, that even like the, phone, the Yeah, the the free form the free form kind of uh jam part of the song, it doesn't yeah, like you know, it, it still has a little bit of that soulfulness to it, so it it just it feels real different, even though it's still very much like they're like they're doing these crazy rhythmic things but it never it never feels like flat right you know like it, it's exciting you know ian mcdonald by the way oh, okay my apologies <laughs> oh you were so close <laughs> I, I knew it's ian m something yeah <laughs> uh ian also McDonald's. too like um let's talk about like how the rest of the album doesn't sound like that first song yeah which is like the whole that's all but another thing but in that in that way it 
in other words, I've had a lot, I've listened to albums, man. Like there's a band called Marmalade. They have one tune. I think it's called I've Been Around Too Long. That song rips. It's like that awesome killer, like like late 60s, early 70s, like hard hitting, like rock kind of blues songs. And then the rest of the album is all just like, what? Bread. It's like bread, right? Yeah. You're like, what? But that's the thing with this album is like it completely changes, but and you're it's not, good. yeah, you're not unhappy about it. You're like, oh, this is really cool. This is that they can achieve kind of this really, really edgy first song. And then in the corner of the Crimson King, that song itself is very much like you, it's like Renaissance esque, right, right, you know, right. like it's got that vibe to it. No, yeah, yeah. I, I dig it. Also, Schizoid Man to me, uh, when I first heard it, because I had heard the Stooges' Funhouse before, mm-hmm. that's what I instantly thought of when that saxophone came ripping in. I was like, oh, yeah. oh. I was like, that's where they got that from. Like, yeah. yeah, they would definitely listen to that record. Yeah. Also, been famously sampled by. Oh, Kanye West. Kanye West. Yay. Jesus. Jesus himself. Yeah. The, our Lord Jesus. I mean,. Yeah, to jump ahead or to touch on that, if you listen to Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, there's there's like a Mike Oldfield sample, who's yeah. the dude who wrote Two Bureau Bells, which is like a 25-minute, every he plays every instrument on it, prog rock masterpiece. Um, but yeah, so prog rock still connects today. Yeah. Even in hip-hop hip music, you need some thumping drums and someone to scream something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and to make some screeching type of guitar thing. It's a perfect thing to sample. Yeah. I wonder if anyone sampled like roundabout. Like, you know, it, may, I don't know. it makes me think. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. So now we're talking like Schizoid Man too. Like talk to like the heavier side of prog. Like, all right, so you had bands like Uriah Heap, you know. That brought it a little, maybe like a little darker. Yeah. Uh, also though, Uriah Heap uh, was writing like, um, you know, a fa- very fantasy heavy songs, but also yeah. it was more like Black Sabbathy with like the layered vocal of Yes at times, mm-hmm. with like Mellotron, you know, keyboardy. But um, all the songs were like under five minutes on like uh, what was this one I uh, spun the other day? Is it day. Angels and Wizards or whatever? That, I think it's called um, Wizards and Demons. Wizards, sir? Yeah, that's what it is. Wizards and Demons. And I found to, that to be way more, you know, like something yeah. that would be accessible to a Black Sabbath fan. Yeah, right there. Right, yeah. Uh, Uriah Heap, Demons and Wizards. Uh, also, uh, shout out. I think we'll maybe talk about this like later, but uh, the artwork of Roger Dean highly influencing the genre. Oh yeah, because like every major prog band had a Roger Dean cover. Uh, Uriah Heap, yes. Uh, Green Slade, I have in here. Uh, Badger. Uh, yep, Badger. Uh, Is he the dude who did the Asia album? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. He's kind of like the original Alex Gray. the art is very reminiscent of um, Conan the Barbarian, who, whoever that oh, artist. Yeah. The yeah. mythological, you know, the the slayers and all. Yeah, <laughs> the, like the fantasy yeah. world, like worldscapes and very, stuff. Yeah, yeah I yeah. feel like it. Uh, like um, you know, nerd culture is really popular now. Um, and like, mm. let's talk too to like how Rush is popular now. Like, you know, like Rush was like the crap on band for years. Like, pff, I was one of them, guys. Let's, yeah, you know, I, I was, was one of them too. I yeah, I'll say you know, that. like you know, Rush sucks, but like Rush is pretty popular now, as is much you know of nerd culture. Yeah, and I feel like that is born kind of. I mean, at least in like the rock and roll sense of it, is kind of born out of these like Roger Dean covers and fantasy and yeah. the prog genre. Really, I mean, it, it was something for kids to get nerdy about. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's kind of the um, it's obviously okay. Rush isn't American, but it's the it's the across the pond kind of take on. 
the prog rock that was happening in the U.S. You know what I mean? So you yeah. listen to like uh, Rush, like uh, Hemispheres, or obviously, I mean, Twenty One Twelves, like the the album, Moving Pictures, yeah, whatever. But I'm, I, I like older, older Rush. But um, so yeah, it's kind of the it's it's the uh, the, the Canadian but, American take on yeah. on prog, which kind of changed changed things a little bit again. You know, it kind of shifted. A yeah. little bit, because I mean, the first Rush album is not a prog rock album. No, no. The first Rush album plays like a Led Zeppelin album. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like it just plays like a Zeppelin album. And Fly By Night comes out, and that's get you know you get a little bit more because that's because the original drummer leaves, Neil Peart comes in, things get a little proggier. Then you have I think Caress of Steel, and then you get the that kind of run of records that is like Hemispheres, Twenty One Twelve. Uh, there's a there's a couple other ones, but I think Hemispheres well, is the one. And I, I, I think I think Rush is having. A particular moment in the past months or year, I, I forget when Neil Peart actually passed away, but yeah. when he passed away, a bunch of fifteen-year-olds across the country and across the world heard their forty-five-year-old dads bemoan the fact that he had passed away, yeah. and they're probably thinking, "Who's this guy that is talked about as the greatest drummer possibly of all time in rock yeah. music?" So it's like you know, it's like when Elvis died, mm-hmm. and I'm sure a ton of fifteen-year-olds who weren't actually into Elvis at the time looked up Elvis and got into Elvis. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like I, I went back and started listening to rush again because there's going to be no more rush. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not going to happen anymore. So yeah. you have to honor it by going back and listening to those albums. And I'm sure tons of 15 year olds are listening to those albums. Cause it's like, if John Bonham died, it's like if when Jimi Hendrix died, it's like yeah. when any great in a genre dies, it reverberates beyond yeah. people who listen to them and it actually it makes people listen to them yeah yeah it was there was like that when uh like when bb king died bb king died about like four maybe like four years ago oh, or something that was a hard hit yeah bb yeah. king was a hard one but um but similarly you know and um yeah it's just the, the with the the age of information that we have as well you know what i mean if in other words if a um if if a musician or something like that dies, like Neil Peart, the chances are inevitably on like some sort of whatever social media feed that you're on, it's gonna pop up eventually because it's kind of big news, you know. And somebody at least knows somebody who's really into music, so you know what I mean. You kind of have that sort of thing, kind of putting the gasoline on, like spreading the word. Yeah, and you know, I was like, like a that. Rush hater. Mike was like the one that was like, "Hey man, like you gotta listen to Rush. It's so good. You you'll like it." And then yeah. you know, I listened to it, and of course, I liked it. And yeah. then, you know, like talking to my dad, even like my, when my Neil Peart died, my dad was so upset. Yeah. He was yeah. like, oh man. He's like, I've been blasting Rush for days. Like all my Rush records are my dad's. Like he was like a Rush guy. Like yeah. that was his thing, you know? And like he, you know, he's like, he's the best drummer, you know? And even to like my dad, my dad didn't like much other prog, I don't think. Like I, no. he's not into yes, but he's see, not into like all that other stuff. I think the quality that Rush has or had has is they are i think because of the first rush album they had this kind of thing about them that was kind of like the working man's prog rock band well weren't they the working man well that's what i'm saying though right you know and then kind of uh what was i think the single was first played in like pittsburgh you know like like a cleveland man that's what it was rock and roll that's what it was but anyway, but you know what I'm trying to say though is that they have there's that kind of a connection. It's working class. Yeah, it's like a yeah, exactly. You know, even though let's 
be real, you know, big picture, Rush did some pretty sophisticated stuff. Absolutely. Um, but I feel that like the, that I the feel approach like, was maybe a little bit. No, I, I dig that because I hear what you're trying to say. I feel like what you're or you were saying, you know, I'm not trying to say, but like uh, what you're saying is like Rush were giving off more of like a, a everyday guy vibe where we were just like noting that like Emerson, like and Palmer were like emitting like not everyday guy vibes. Oh, yeah. And very much like, I went to the Music Conservatory of London and blah, 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 right. you know, tweed, tweed jackets. And yeah, that like kind of that. Shit. I feel you know like, what I mean? Where like Rush was just kind of like, yeah, you know, they were still doing that kind of a thing. Even like Floyd, like talking about like more humany things, you know what I mean? And that's what maybe yeah. made them more relatable, more human. And where like, that's where maybe, maybe I feel like we're really just pointing out like the successes in the genre and like what, or like what we think is like what we like as like accessible you know what i mean yeah because like i mean i don't know what makes emerson like and palmer more accessible to somebody else you know what i mean like yeah. i'm not gonna like say it's like bad music it's just not for me you know what i mean yeah and, and that's okay too yeah you know what i mean that's okay too but and i feel like, like that's an interesting thing because that might like you know like you hear these like music journalists speak but like we are all you know we're like we are working people we're like everyday guys you know yeah. what i mean and i feel like that's the different uh, viewpoint like we are the consumer like as much as the commentator yeah. you know where like those guys are like th the industry that's a different vibe for me mm -hmm. you know even if you're like putting it up on like uh you know pitchfork or whatever if you're working for them like that's the same deal you're still in the industry so you you think to yeah. some extent that you are an influencer where we are looking at it where we have no stake in the game at all yeah where and i feel like that's why the bands that we are pointing out as more uh, that we like more is maybe the more working class vibe. I don't know. That's just kind of like the yeah. thoughts that I kind of, when I listened to that Pink Floyd record, that hit, that feeling mm. hit me so instantly. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. And, oh, and well, I mean, I had, I had heard a thing. I think did Keith Emerson, he recently died, but I think he, well, not recently died, but, uh, well, no, yeah, 2016. But there was something, uh, um, this dude wrote this book and I was watching like an interview with this guy who wrote this book that was like this deep dive on prog rock, whatever, whatever. Uh, but they, he was, what he was basically saying was that like, um, that Keith Emerson after Emerson, like, and Paul, you know, and after the, the dust cleared and like, nobody's listening to Emerson, like and Palmer anymore kind of thing that right. Keith Emerson was in, insanely frustrated because he was like trying to write like these huge, you know, like artistic masterpieces that nobody would hear because nobody was interested in listening to it. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, and... The, the taste had changed. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and, and that's what and I think... To, and to that's why he to, became a ghostwriter for Trans-Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can only assume, or wrote film scores or, you know, something. Yeah, he did something. I don't, I don't really... I didn't do a too, too, deep, too deep of a dive. If we're talking but. Emerson too, man, like uh, his first band, The Nice... Uh, I enjoy so much. I like the nice. I, I yeah, I, do not I know them. Uh, like their first album. I mean, I, lo I love their first album. That's where I like, I'm really at with them. Oh. It's psychedelic in like the uh, Pink Floyd y first album okay. kind of way, uh, a little bit. And it's English. And I, I dig the psychedelic y yeah. side more of that band where it was like keyboard heavy, fun. I don't know. Uh, to speak to Emerson real quick, he did. Yeah, he committed suicide. Oh, bummer, guys. But he was yeah. in his late 60s or something. I think so. Yeah, he was. Still a tragedy, but you know, different circumstances. Yeah, different circumstances. But but from what yeah, from what I had heard, it was because of uh, the fact that yeah, here you know he was a like a really frustrated musician who was like I said writing music that nobody would listen to, and sending letter after letter to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> petitioning his case for ELP to be inducted. Uh, Prague Prague's never getting in. 
Like, I mean, I Rush were Rush lucky. Yes, got in. Yeah, uh, yes, yes got, got in. in. Oh, yes. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, because Getty, Getty Lee sat After in. Rush got in. Like, King Crimson? I would assume that I don't in. think so. No. A, f- a 55-year career and no respect. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think Zappa is either. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. You, you know what, like, this conversation has also made me, like, think is, like, more that I enjoy uh, Prague like in like prog mixed you know like brush is like not exclusively like yeah, the prog bit i like pure, pure <laughs> yeah like i like my yeah. prog watered down with yeah. something yeah 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 like, <laughs> yeah well if if we mention so we, we talked about king crimson's the first album we talked about yes a little bit we talked about rush like who are the the prog rock bands like who what's the mount rushmore what's the top five what's the okay who are the the archetypes, the giants in the in the genre? I well, would, you have to have yes. Yeah, yeah, I'd say yes. Okay. I'd also say King Crimson. Yeah, yeah. I um, think as much as we hate to admit it, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Yep. I mm. I don't want them on the list, but I think they have to be See, on the I, list. I, I I don't. I disagree completely. I disagree. Yeah. I think there's like way better examples because then you important. have Floyd, right? So Floyd yeah. would be three. I feel like we all agree on. Mm. Uh, like what? Now I'm kind of. And I would say rush for accessibility to bring people back into the genre mm. in a new era, especially like in the 80s. Right, right. Because they were still kind of like shouting all those vibes the whole time. Yeah. Right? Mm. So I, I would put definitely put rush on the list. But like what would you put as the fifth? Would you put Emerson, Lake, and Palmer? Or would you put like, I don't know. No, like, I, I have one. Genesis. Yeah, let's hear I, it. Oh, I Genesis. I mean, Genesis. That's, yeah, they were. So let's kick off Emerson, yeah. Lake, and Palmer and put Genesis in just for the. Yeah. For the grand for the grandness of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Well, if we're yeah. talking that too, so we we're talking five. Who was yours? Who was your other one? Um, I mean, mine. I feel very strongly, and I've I've been listening to them this past week, and people forget, but especially their first five albums, Queen is absolutely a oh. prog rock band. Except that they were on, they got onto the radio and they cracked the format and they they forced radio to. Ex- to accept mm, what they were um, doing. I yep. enjoy that okay. curve. I enjoy that curve. I, I, I wasn't even go. I wasn't even, my brain wasn't even there. Yeah, I, That's how accessible it is though. Because it, it, right. at some point, I feel like the the word prog rock is a dirty word to all of us that like uh, at least punk or that style of music, yeah. right? Or like, you know, not punk, but you know what I'm saying? Like, no, uh, I feel I feel what you're saying. Yeah, I like the. I think that in musical circles, when you say prog rock, your mind immediately goes to a very specific place. Yeah, it's like a white gloves type of atmosphere. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like not down and dirty. Well, yeah, it's like uh, it's right, like, right. Uh, it's like velvet underground, good uh, prog, bad. But they're both like the. Uh, I would almost say equally as hard to listen to at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. Okay, so like true. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but. I mean, Queen totally, though, if you think about it, because in a in a very sort of, uh, you know, Western music, Western approach, approach to music way that like, yes, incorporate, you know, like like we talked about incorporating like Bach and stuff like that. I mean, Queen did the same thing, but instead of, uh, you know, instead of being influenced by, say, um, Bach, they were more influenced by like, you know, uh, a Mozart opera. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was an, instead of being like a night at the Fillmore, it was a night at the opera, no, you know, but it was that. still very, still very much rooted in that sort of classical approach to music, but just the with the flair and the, you know, Broadway kind of thing, you know, yeah. like that kind of, it's showbiz, baby. You know, like it's that kind of thing. Also, like keep yourself alive, man. Like the first song in the first album. 
Oh my god! I mean, that whole album is like it's like it's like Rush album. proggy, and it's yeah. way before Rush too. Like yeah. you know, they I got seventy four. Yeah, have, they have in their first handful of albums, and they have songs about ogres and fairies and mad queens and yeah. prophets and time travel and space and. It just goes all over those kind of nerd culture territories yeah. that prog rock yeah. dwells in, and and for me, it's like prog rock essential elements are things like an operatic or classical music background of some kind, mm-hmm. virtuosic guitar. Generally, I, I besides ELP, I can't think of any other prog rock band that does not have virtuosic guitar in it. Yeah, it's a given, right? And um. Things like a counterpuntal bass. If you think mm-hmm. of John Deacon, it's it's very much how the bass is written and played in classical music, mm. especially against the vocals. It has that 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 Liberace type of piano playing. Yeah. Um. I mean, for God's sakes, their eighth or ninth album, they did the score for like the <laughs> the, the, Flash the, the Flash Gordon Flash Gordon album, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, movie, and and that whole thing is just sci-fi. Prog synthesizer craziness, yeah, and so yeah, they have pop hits and they have the stomp, stomp, clap, songs, yeah, but they also have songs about dragon attacks and you know, <laughs> like, um, yeah, I'd say that's, I that's, love that you brought that up because yeah, like my absolutely. mind didn't even go there, and yeah. I, that's like that's oh man, that's so yeah, that's great, man. But, yeah. that, but that's but they just what's keep awesome. their songs to five minutes or less generally, so that's kind of why why I, that's why right. i didn't that's why my brain never goes there with them but then you know i do put it on and i'm like oh yeah you know mm-hmm. i forgot yeah because yeah. like especially the first album i remember when i first put that on i was like oh my god i was like this is like rush this is awesome yeah. you know yeah so after like i'd say maybe like after the 70s maybe we see a bit of a lull in prog rock would you say maybe not in the way that i think um maybe in mainstream music Okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I you wanted know. to talk to you because, like, you said you listened to a lot of Genesis, and this is what I oh, noticed. Please, yeah. This well, this is what I noticed with all the the bands, and this is Genesis as well. We can kind of form that up into the eighties. I feel uh, they went pop. All the bands went pop. Yeah. Uh, also, I wanted to throw out too, like, if we're talking, all the bands went pop. Todd Rundgren, even like coming into oh, the eighties, yeah? when you know Utopia turned into a pop band. Yeah. You know, and Utopia was like the, a prog, prog, prog all day. Yeah. So you know, like. Tell me like what you felt about Genesis and then like maybe we could talk about like yeah. Genesis in the 80s because that's what I'm more familiar with even. See, oh, wait, yeah, where I'm not really like I'm uh, the Genesis that I tried to digest <laughs> was earlier stuff. You know, I mean, I think Foxtrot, Phil Collins is on Foxtrot, but that was that was still pretty early. And I thought that's something I didn't realize either is that Phil Collins came on pretty early on. I thought he was much more 80s. No, yeah, I think he joined the band like on their second or third album. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it was. I think it. it I think it is. It goes Nursery Crime and then Foxtrot. Mm-hmm. And I think F- Nursery Crime is the second or third album, and then Foxtrot's the third or fourth. And he comes on for Foxtrot. I don't think he's on Nursery Crime. Um, so that was my experience with that. And it's not. Yeah, I mean, I think the same thing. Like I, tr- I, I kind of like what Jeff said with um, uh, what band was it? Where you're like, yeah, I'm sure I listened to it. I know I listened to Gentle a couple albums. Yeah, Gentle Giant, yeah. thank you. So, I mean, okay, I listened to Genesis like three days. I listened to these albums three mm. days ago, and I kind of don't really remember them. Because it's just like, for me, I didn't... Okay, I'm like, cool, this is cool. This is, you know, fun, prog rock, whatever, you know. And uh, um, uh, what's-his-name is always uh, fun. Uh, Peter Gabriel. Thank you, yeah, oh, Peter yeah, Gabriel. He's always fun. Um, but, yeah, I think 
similarly how it's it's interesting to see like your Led Zeppelins and your Deep Purples and all those kinds of harder hitting bands and like your, your Claptons and seeing what they did in the 80s. Right. And then seeing like Yes and Genesis who were, you know, similarly from a kind of, you know, they're the Brits, whatever, yeah, whatever. similar schools, similar times, similar yeah. bands at some point. Yeah, yeah. To see how uh, like, yeah, Yes and Genesis kind of adapted to the new sound of the 80s. And I'll just say I do not like any of them. Even like Asia, right? Because that was formed out of, I don't know who's in Asia. Guys. Yeah, if Asia was That's formed a, out of I like the, away. Yeah, it was formed yes. out of, yes. I think Steve Howe, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah, guitar player, so. yeah. formed Asia. And I, I think, um, I don't know, if, I don't think Rick Wakeman was on it, but I think Ian, whatever his name was, the lead singer of Yes, uh, I don't know if he sang for Asia, but but yeah, it's uh, it's it's from the show. It was, it's from it's the the, pro, the prog rock version of Damn Yankees. <laughs> yeah, right. I love good. That was a good one. Yeah, but yeah, they they went full pro, full pop, and it's weird because Genesis is very artsy, avant garde, kind of hard to digest. Right, in those right. first five albums, and Peter Gabriel leaves. He continues to make prog pop music. Yep, very experimental. And his band kind of turns into like radio friendly prog rock, dad, dad rock, yacht rock. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. And that's the stuff I, I've listened to the Peter Gabriel stuff and I don't connect with it. I, I try, but you know, you can throw on invisible touch. I like that. Late eighties, uh, yeah. <laughs> late eighties Genesis, but it's not prog rock at all. It's just, it might as well be two different bands. Yeah. yeah. And because that's more heavily, that's more Phil Collins driven yeah. and then stuff. That and yes, I like, I love Phil Collins. I'm not, you know, that yes record that went huge with, uh, uh, owner of a lonely heart. Yeah. yeah. yeah that record is huge. Yeah. And that's 83. And that's a pop record all day long, but it also yeah. has the prog changes like the, right. Yeah, they you know. Yeah, they throw some flavor in there, yeah, yeah. but it's the, it, in comparison to the Yes album, you're like, "Whoa." Yeah, very. You know, well, how do we get here? But yeah. it makes sense though. You know, it's the it's the 80s, man. Everything switching to synth, you know, gated right. reverbs and and, and, and and what what was the new blood in the 80s in the in the prog rock scene? Cuz I can only think in prog rock in the 80s were all the bands in the 70s, but now they're just 40, 45 years old. Right, like, yeah. I think the, King Crimson and Rush, they they had some of their best albums in the 80s. The, but, on, the only 80s band I can think... So I, th- I think what ended up happening was, was that the original um, prog rock bands went pop and the new progressive guitar-driven music made the jump to heavy metal. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, I, that was... And I think I was, that's where that was it my did. Next it just, point. Yeah, like the, like the rail car was just redirected, and, and then you had, like, um, a standout, like, for me, anyway, growing up, uh, is uh, Queensryche. Queensryche did, mm-hmm. like, a, you know, they, did a, they had an album called Operation Mindcrime that was very proggy in the way that it was, like, this you know, this concept album where every song ran into the next one. There were a lot of these sort of like social, political, kind of big picture topics that they were talking about, you know, and they were able to pull that off. Um, and even, I mean, okay, earlier albums like um, the self-titled album, that's that's pretty that's pretty progish, but it's still very much like uh, 80s, you know. But even uh, Jeff Tate, the lead singer, classically trained though, classically trained like theater vocalist who his range was crazy he could hit these crazy highs but he could also like get all the way down here you know so it's so it's, it's a far i, I, mean, I think i like, love i love queens right to what jeff was saying too right so those guys were 40 in their 40s right in the 80s 
So wouldn't that generation of kids that were like into their own music, which would have been like heavy metal, which was the popular young people's music, I guess, if you were that kind of person. Yeah. Right. You would have looked at your father's record collection because you were young and that probably would have been that time. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that your parents, like when you were starting to maybe pick up your parents music, when you didn't think it all sucked, when you know what I mean? Like there was everyone that kind of has that time where you're like, oh, yeah, the, the Beatles. You know, so yeah. maybe that's also maybe what was kind of going on. too. And if, yeah, I mean, if you listen to any of like the all right, 80s hit, right, we have like the birth of like thrash metal and then like 80s hair metal, you know, I mean, it kind of it starts getting a little bit heavier with like Van Halen in the late 70s, you know, kiss whatever. And then it forms into, you know, you have your poisons and so on. But that's what any you can listen to any interview of any member of any 80s hair metal band and the majority of them have that same story where it's like, yeah, you know, when I was little I was just picking through my dad's like Zeppelin albums. You know, and then I listened to like some Deep Purple and then I picked up a guitar and then I saw Kiss and then right. I heard Black Sabbath and then boom boom boom, you know, you have uh you have you know, hair metal. Yeah, you have yeah. Quiet Riot. You know what I mean? You have you you know, you have all these you know, you have all these bands, and then obviously, getting it, it gets heavier. But yeah, that's I think you know, and and maybe the the metal guys who went on to do more progressive metal things, say like Queensrÿche or whatever. Maybe their, their fathers dads, were dorks. Their dads were like, you know what I mean? Where <laughs> Nick, like Nikki Six's dad, was listening to Zeppelin. You know, Chris Squire's dad. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, you know what? Whatever. You know, Queensrÿche. Jeff Tate's dad was listening to, you know, Genesis or like, yes, you know what I mean? Yeah, so no, I, 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 where, you know, I where are they idea. growing? Where are they growing out of kind right. of thing? You know? No, that's, that's so. definitely the point I feel. Um, uh, and, and yeah, as, as prog rock since the late eighties hasn't existed really. It's been adopted under the metal umbrella. Cause you think, Oh of, yeah, definitely. Any, any band you could call prog rock generally in the last 25 years, most people would just call it metal band. Yeah. Yeah, like a prog metal band. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I don't even know if you would put the the prog in front of it because I right. feel like like what we are maybe the point or like we weren't really trying to prove, but kind of came out of this was maybe that prog isn't like a great name for this genre. When you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because it might have the mo- more negative connotations on of it. Yeah, from that had grown out of the punk movement. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In response to that style of music sure. that had grown. Uh, dominant in, yeah. in the landscape. Oh, yeah, because 40 years ago, culture decided <laughs> punk was cool and prog rock was nerdy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. That's kind of what, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think there there's def- there was definitely a lull, you know, pro- progressive rock turns to progressive metal. And then I think if we're maybe trying to bring it up to more modern times, you have standout bands like Tool, Oh, absolutely. You know, I think Tool's one of those bands that's like more modern and definitely progressive in their own way. Maybe say more say I see I think that Tool even though they don't sound like Pink Floyd are progressive music the same approach as Pink Floyd. Hmm. Rather than cuz Tool's not I mean okay, they had a couple of, I, you know, I went and listened to the back catalog and stuff and they have some faster tunes, but like let's be real, they're all about they're a very atmospheric band. They create kind of like this hazy space <laughs> you know what i mean where you're it's yeah, like it's well yeah you know yeah <laughs> um so i don't know i think that that's um a good uh, example of like a modern prog band that maybe it okay is metal in the way that it's heavily distorted guitars and stuff but not in the way that 
you know, that say like a yes or like a yes influence band. Right. I, you know what I was just kind of thinking too? You're like talking modern. Would you say now it's like interesting because like we kind of got to watch hip hop uh, evolve and form through our childhoods yeah. and really see the genre take different shapes and styles and colors. Would you say now maybe that hip hop is getting in its prog phase where like Kanye has like mm-hmm. taken out like maybe the whole beat, right? Or like it's more it's so it's uh so getting abstract now where you could have like just like uh you know like the song is 30 seconds long mm. and that is like where it's experimenting where it's like the beat might be like so you know dismantled or so you know what i'm saying like yeah or at the very least instead of sampling like 70s kind of funk records they're like especially somebody like kanye west is pulling from all kinds of weird places you know and and i think it started i mean okay uh luke has this box set of this school jazz band that from uh, i forget what year it was but we were listening to this album and remember it goes into a part and i'm like this is a wu-tang beat oh no 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 this oh this is a uh it's called the Bodie box this is a okay. uh Bodhi, uh was a recording studio i think in cleveland and they recorded a lot of soul music um and none of it was ever famous but uh um what the heck is that record company that I can't think of the name of? Anyway, look it up. It's called the Bodie Box. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an old soul sample. But yeah, you noticed that that was what that was, right? That was a Wu-Tang sample in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, but I that's think... Yeah, but you know, we're talking about like, you know, obscure and then making it even like, yeah. to, you know what I mean? The experimentation yeah. is, I feel like, formed out of that. Because the... like, the, I feel like rock music really stopped experimenting and almost started just pulling from its influence. You know what I mean? Because we yeah. we talked of like, you know, we talked of Brian Wilson and then the Beatles and then, the, you know, you could see the progression and how they were different, you know, yeah. they pulled from everything they had now where like rock music, you know, is quote unquote as, you know, we would call it now stagnant, yeah. you know, because and not, you know, uh, in the main front because maybe it has not evolved into like a thing that's highly accessible to everybody. Whereas like hip hop now is getting oh shot out of this genre, that genre, this offshoot, that offshoot. Like you have hip hop fans that are like, I like trap music. I don't like this. You know, Mm. I like gangster rap. I don't like trap. You know, I only listen to gangster rap. I only, it's more of like, like genreified now where as rock was getting, you know what I mean? Mm Because at one point in time, you only had rock and roll. Right? Right, right, and at one point in time you only had rap, but now then you had gangster rap, and then you had you know you uh the West Coast, rap, East Coast conscious rap flower. You know, it's kind of like how metal. Like when you 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 ever, you ever look at like the history of heavy metal charts and the different like oh this is symphonic Norwegian whatever metal. metal, and this is this that and this you know what I mean. But that's yeah, uh, I, I but yeah, think, I think that's a natural thing for like to happen musically anyway. You know, like in other words, we don't really have. We don't really lump things together in that kind of, uh, okay, well, this is the Renaissance period. This is the Baroque period. This is the classical period. This is the Romantic period. This is the, you know, like we don't really have necessarily, we don't really categorize it like that right. anymore as much as now we just categorize specific artists under specific nuanced versions of the same thing. Right. And to my point now is I feel like we should stop genreizing music because it's it's useless it's annoying i feel like you could be like this it sounds a little bit like yes and rush you know what i mean yeah that's more helpful to me yeah true because i feel like genrefying music uh 
it it puts you know it, it it's the whole it's it's kind of like it it puts it in a box to where somebody like myself had to literally like push through because I am such a fan of music that I was wondering why I did not enjoy other why why can't I like that it's yeah. not cool well who says that right you know right. and that is I feel like the why Prague I feel like has that you know thing where it's like it's lame right and so I feel like that is not helpful because we just named like you Queen is an awesome band that everybody likes Pink Floyd awesome band that everybody likes yeah. yes you could like yes if you tried. You know what I mean? It's not <laughs> yeah. for everybody, but like it's accessible. Like yeah. King Crimson, a ton of people like King Crimson. Yeah. It's accessible, and that is why I feel like the it. You know why we shouldn't really like we should kind of maybe like move away from that. And I feel like we might be a little bit now, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and to go back to hip hop, like the banner's still being carried by artists in hip hop, even though it seems as far away from the prog rock of the 70s. But you have artists like, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, you got Jay Dilla, who's just making making full albums out of samples from every type of music. You have someone today like Travis Scott, who releases a huge single, and it's like a four-part song suite mm-hmm. that goes in all these different directions. You got people like Drake, you have people like Denzel Curry, who are smashing up genres and like really, maybe the things are still in 4-4, but as far as sonically what's going on, it's very cl- much closer to progressive rock than the boom bat rap music of, yeah. of run DMC, yeah. which is just where a lot of rap artists take their sound from or the genesis of their sound. But today everything's being pushed in extreme directions. Yeah. And even, even the stuff that I don't really like the mumblecore rap, that's very progressive in how they sample from everywhere. Yeah. And right. Like, I might not like the lyrical content or whatever, but the yeah. music that's going on behind it is so much more like the Moog synthesizer and the Mellotron and that stuff from the early seventies. Yeah. Cause that's what it is when you're cutting up tracks and you're used, learning how to sample like danger mouse does a whole Jay Z album with the Beatles white album as the, all the samples right. chopped and screwed and, and yeah. picked apart. And it's, it's, it's very much like 20th century classical music. It's re fully repurposing. And, it's uh like we were just, like, you know, I was just kind of saying, it, you know, it is uh genre cutting because yeah. it can have that yeah. and that, and it's the same thing. That's the same music you sampled. It. It's that music. Yeah. It's just added. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's, you know, and I feel like that's maybe like the way we should be going and looking at it. And, yeah. And I feel like the rap right now definitely has the uh, is is experimenting and pushing the boundaries of music forward and that's why i appreciate the genre even if i don't listen to it as much because like i'm like i'm sorry guys there's a ton of crappy shitty bands out there who are copies of other bands like oh yeah i don't want to listen to your otis redding ripoff i don't want to listen to your led zeppelin ripoff i don't want to listen to your sabbath ripoff like because that's really what they all are now. Like, let's face it, man. Yeah, it's and, just and, like, and I feel like hip-hop has originality. It's got soul. It's got all that awesome stuff. It's got the yeah. the pushing the boundaries of of what music is. Well, and that's When the whole... rap came out, people didn't even think that was music. Yeah. And they made a whole new genre, and it's still, like, expanding and moving. And that's what, you know, that's where I'm coming from, where, like, this is, this is, Yeah, I mean, know. what's the definition of progressive? Other than to push Thanks. things forward. Yeah, to push yeah. things forward and move. And I feel like that's 
when people say rock got stagnant, you know what I mean? It's I feel like a lot of people fell off of rock, you know, because it is still moving at some point. There's an underground, but like, yeah, it's not as you know, it's uh, not the driving force behind. You're talking, like rock. It's not. Any, the, it's, it's not the driving force behind the the musical growth that's happening like societally in the way that exactly. hip hop music is because exactly. it's and hip hop. I think the the advantage that say the DJ or the producer has is the fact that okay you see a lot of guys okay like Anderson uh, Pack right now like he'll play with a live band you know which is a whole other thing too kind of that goes maybe say that challenges uh what the um you know what the the ensemble setup is supposed to be for like a rap group it's classically it is a DJ spinning records right with the the performer or the group of people in front of them and it you know like to incorporate a band to have like a hip hop band at one point was very much frowned upon, but then the move to to start incorporating musicians mm-hmm. that uh, you know I think that's kind of a progressive step, wouldn't you say? Yeah, man, I you know dig what it. I mean. And but even now, as the producer, um, again, the advantages is that the whole f- real format of constructing a beat is to using samples. At that point, your palette becomes endless. If you're in a prog rock band, all you can kind of play is prog rock, right? Or, or you know what I mean, and not that's not to say that that can't explore different avenues or whatever, but you know I mean um, uh, Kanye. I, I know I keep referencing Kanye West, but like you know uh, what's that album? The f- first album you showed me when I was like not really. It's the it's like the the it's like a picture of like the disc, the CD oh, or Jesus. whatever. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. thank you. Um, where it's like these like crazy that oh, there's one that. song where it's record. like there's one like there's like these cascading like Native American like drum screeches and stuff kind of like played in and out of sequence or whatever. And it's like that's what I think makes hip like rap and hip hop so unique is that because that he can pull from wherever he wants, he's not really trapped in a bubble. Right. I mean, okay, yeah, I think the the delivery of the lyric is the thing that keeps it hip hop, but I think every other aspect of it is very much like, whoa, like well, and out, especially you know. today because you have access to everything. Right, right, in, right, right. In the eighties, you got to be a crate digger. You got to find yeah. find those sounds and find the things to sample. And now, you know, I'm sure you can go on some list and type in Native American drums. <laughs> yeah, right. And you can find. Five hundred thousand songs that use Native American drums, and yeah. you can click through until you find something that, that yeah. works for you. Whereas hip hop music in the eighties were, you know, a lot of the seventies and sixties soul songs yeah. that were there in your house, and just finding records and mm-hmm. playing things that you wouldn't have come across, yeah. and finding something like you listen to the production of the Bomb Squad on the Public Enemy albums or the first Ice Cube album, and it's like. There's sirens and there's a brass band and there's a breakbeat and there's someone wailing in the background and it's this Miles Davis type of like mm. jazz fusion yeah. hip hop beat and to me that's like that's progressive rock. You listen to those first two, especially Public Enemy albums, and yeah, it's in four and they're rapping over it, but that stuff is just mind blowing. It's it's like you know it's yeah. like the Rite of Spring by Stravinsky. It's like that <laughs> yeah, yeah. level of if you actually listen to everything that's going on, you have to listen to those songs 15 times before you even hear all the things that are going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. And the, that's where I feel like if you were in into bands progressing, you you know what I mean? You should grow with your artists and like, you know, really listen and 
try to progress with the genre while you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. and appreciate it for what they did you know what i mean it might be you you might not be a rap fan but like we like we're talking right now like if you're listening to Prague, you could get into it from this angle yep. you know what i mean and i feel like yeah. that's an important like message to take away is like yeah. you can get into stuff from different angles you know like that's how i got into rap i got into it from different angles you know what yeah. i mean i would i would you know you you weave in you're like okay well i like this and then i like you know what i mean and oh that samples uh beastie boys sampled zeppelin like that's cool like uh yeah. you know krs one sampled uh back in black i gotta hear that you know yeah uh tribe sampled uh the beatles you know mm-hmm. it's that or what, how like long red mountain yeah long red that drum yeah that drum beat on is like one of the most the like one of the the most, the most used, yeah, most time, sampled yeah. songs of all time, and it's mount, it's mountain. It's on, not like it's on a, time, Jack. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not like mountains a huge, ba- you know what I mean? Like they were big in their day, they had their time, but it's not like they're like. In other words, they're if if you're ent- if you're looking at music from just kind of like an entry level or like just I am just a casual listener of music. I don't do deep dives, whatever. Mountain isn't in the same sentence as Zeppelin. Zeppelin. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's I mean, close. it's in, for me, it's in the same sentence. But for Definitely. most people, it's not, you know? So just to kind of see how, like, somebody went digging and found that beat and was like, oh, this is awesome. And then it just became the most used beat, like, <laughs> like yeah. in hip hop, you know? It was so easily adaptable. I like to, like, how, you know, everything is moving forward moving back in in the in the progress at the same time yeah. you know what i mean yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of cool too to look at absolutely um one yeah. thing i wanted to touch on was okay so jeff you said earlier how like okay computer yeah is an album that you know and i know you're a big radiohead guy i i've i've done some moderate listening of radiohead i don't know luke how you look on listening to radiohead i've heard creep Okay. <laughs> but, oh boy. But Jeff being a big Radiohead fan though, yeah, I mean maybe speak to that a little bit in the way that like how that like what makes them progressive to you? Like what what, you know, what are their qualities that you would categorize them as being progressive? Well, Radiohead is interesting because to me they kind of seem to absorb all influences mm. and spit it back in their own way, their own, you know, view. Um, but very progressive to me, especially because Radiohead's first album was basically like a band that loved the Smiths and wanted to play the grunge music that was popular at the time. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work for me. I never listened to that first album. Creeps on that first album. You is on that album. Uh, and that's about all I ever listened to. Yeah. And then. The second album, they introduced more experimentation, more of the studio effects, more of the crazy guitar pedals and sounds and um, type of, you know, just the the palette expanded mm-hmm. beyond the loud, soft dynamics and the kind of emotionally vulnerable lyrics. Yeah, It became um, a lot of songs that were about esoteric topics. And then on their third album, they delivered the 90s version of... Dark Side of the Moon, which is an album about the oppressive nature of technology and how we're all losing touch with our humanity mm. because of the world we're living in and how everything's speeding up and we're becoming, you know, less feeling and more analytical and more like the machines. Mm. And that album is 
uses Mellotron. There's a a song on that Paranoid Android. It's a crazy prog song song suite that has you know it has a rip roaring guitar solo in these crazy time signatures it goes into this doom and gloom type of sampled mellotron uh, choir section and that goes right back into the ripping guitars it's very much like 21st century schizoid man Mm. and as they and that was just their third album then their fourth album they basically like we're like we're not using guitars anymore, or we're gonna use guitars to make noises and sounds, and not really play notes or play lines or play solos. Yeah, and they must have been listening to a lot of the German Krautrock, the new and um, who's the other Can Can oh, yeah, and who's the other one that did Autobahn? Oh, oh Kraftwerk, Kraftwerk, Kraftwerk. Um, <laughs> but they became just kind of like out there and. I think the music world at large just saw them as this like very experimental kind of like side thing that happened to have a lot of fans, but could never play on radio. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I know all their songs. They're, they're my favorite band of all time. Yeah. And then, you know, the next album uses weird jazz things and they just kept moving forward, progress, <laughs> progressing their sound. Yeah. They've, they've, to me, they've never had like a retread of old material. They're always moving forward. They're always pushing the boundary of using orchestras and, you know, all these outrageous elements. When you think of they're a guitar band that made music in the nineties and the two thousands. Yeah. I feel like that's why they're still successful today though, is because of the progression. That's why I think it'll keep people interested because you want to know what's coming next. You don't know what it's going to sound like, Like, not to be a jerk, but you know what that next like Miley Cyrus record is going to sound like, right? Yeah. Like a little bit, you know, to some extent. And that's not like a dig. It's just like, kind of predictable yeah you know same with like oh yeah let's take like a extreme example you know what the next toby keith record's gonna sound like yeah but it, dude but but d- that's but that's why in yeah. the in the dying format of rock that's why that is i still i still feel like so relevant uh you know yeah i, I i've i've seen it in prog metal bands where it's so like okay i mean between the bear and me I mean, a decent, you know, a, a, a successful band, you know. Uh, the album I listened to recently was Colors, but you have Colors, The Great Misdirect, and then the uh, Hyper Parallax, whatever uh, thing. But it's like, you know, I remember when The Great Misdirect came out, and Colors, like, blew me away. That was in 2007. And then before that was Alaska. That was that had Selkie's The Endless Obsession. That was kind of like the, the song kind of like being like, oh, this is what this band does. Even though the other songs on the album weren't necessarily like that, Selkie's was unique in that way. It was like this long sort of like kind of, you know, song, whatever. But I remember listening to The Great Misdirect, which came out after Colors. And I remember like they released a single and I was listening to it uh, at uh, a pal's house, this kid Mike. And we listened to that song and he's like, yeah, well, now we know what the entire album sounds like. You know, in that way where you're just kind of like, yeah, you know, and that and that's where it's it's like these are bands that are they call themselves progressive and their music is progressive in that analytic way. But it's not progressive in the way of like consistently changing your sound, like completely alter, like, oh, like Radiohead would be like, all right, on this album, no guitars or if guitars sounds, not notes. You know what I mean? Whereas a lot of prog metal bands lock themselves in this box that's basically like oh we have to play to this sort of a virtuistic standard 
but can we really take risks? And yeah. I, don't yeah. get me wrong, Between the Barrier to Me does take risks. They do, yeah. I've, on some of the albums, they, they incorporate like these weird like circusy things. There's one that sounds, there's like a one song on Colors breaks into like a weird hoedown kind of thing. You know, so they do, they do, uh, <laughs> you know. They, they do get there, but it's, get there, it's still but it's boxed just in like, the genre. Yeah, you know, and I think that that's, that something like what Radiohead, the move that Radiohead did is very much kind of, a, even if they didn't intend it to be, was kind of a tip of the hat of the earlier bands of like the late 60s and 70s where the whole, there was at one point, the whole thing was like basically just like take your band and do try something totally out of nowhere and weird. Well, yeah, man. You know, just it's, the, it's the Beatles, bro. It's the Beatles. Right. Every right, album's right, different. Right, right. Every album's its own vibe. And every, every song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On, on those albums are its own vibe. Yeah. It, yeah. It, that's, that's, I think that that's where it really, like, uh, for rock bands, that's the model. Yeah. And even, like, you're talking, like, Radiohead, a more modern band. I'd say, like, My Morning Jacket, for me, is, like, one that, yeah. I mean, I, I could, like, get down with. And they're not, yeah. like, proggy in the sense of, like, it doesn't sound... I mean, it sometimes might sound like yes, but like it 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 progresses forward from like the first album being like a alt country kind of psych record to like their fifth albums. You know, is like it could be like this. You know, whole you know, it's funkier. It's like the grooves are fatter, yeah. and like it might have like uh some like weird you know the effects on the vocals might be like the whole move of the song. You know, yeah. And I feel like every album of theirs sounds pretty pretty different it sounds like my morning jacket but it's it's different you know and i feel like that's yeah and even talking to like why they're, they're so like you know that's a pretty successful band uh, for a rock band at this point you yeah. know they could sell out something yeah. pretty big but you know, it, open for bob dylan yeah. you know and that's i feel like it speaks to the progression it's like i feel like a lot of people can't articulate that but like and that's why we don't like a lot of the music i feel like that we maybe had congregated around in high school because it is so limiting Mm. and it doesn't move and we change as people daily you know hourly yeah and i feel like that's why maybe something that's more progressive is like easier because everything changes all the time and yeah. that's why uh and and i don't feel like people realize this but because everything's changing all the time you know you will relate to it on a cellular level at that point i feel you know that's getting real deep with it but, yeah but in the know? way it, i think it's i think the thing that separates to say the men from the boys when it comes to that is how like Queen can do like their first album and then they can like write disco or something. You know what I mean? Or yeah. like, you know what I mean? In other words, it's it's that whole way where it's like you listen to Dark Side of the Moon and then you listen to The Wall. Very different sounding albums, but you still know that it's Pink Floyd. Right. You know, like it's like the it's like they don't the bands don't lose their identity even though they're playing a different style of music. And I think that is like a defining greatness quality of the great bands is that it's just like oh yeah this is just pink floyd does bah, 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 bah. this is yeah. pink floyd's version of disco this is pink floyd's version of what you know i mean kiss did it i'm not saying they did it well but kiss go kiss go you know what i mean yeah again i'm not if, saying if we're, dis- if we're discussing progressive rock kiss should never be mentioned in many times <laughs> yeah, let's just also talk about this is like the third or fourth time we've brought up kiss because me and mike are yeah. we've been enlisted guys we've been enlisted a long I time party all night and some of every day <laughs> <laughs> listen we party all night 
or with ah, Jesus, yeah, oh my god up. we rock and roll all, all night, night and, and we party, party every, every day. day but there's a reason for it and i think what luke was saying is we've been enlisted yeah we've been into enlisted the into the army for a long time i'm a deserter i've <laughs> <He was, laughs> <laughs> served a couple tours in the kiss in, army yeah uh, jeff is in kiss jail for treason <laughs> i'm hiding out in canada avoiding the kiss draft <laughs> I want you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so if we're talking about progressive rock and the idea of of just what kind of what you could call progressive rock nowadays, yeah, because when you think prog rock, it has like the seventies, yes, rush, yeah, et cetera, absolutely, type of that's what the what it was. But like, who are some of the prog rock, quote unquote, bands of the last twenty years? Yeah, that's like, a question. I, I can think of some that I guess I would put in that category. Like My Morning Jacket, like you said, that, yeah, definitely can belong in there because they are kind of where a jam band would meet prog rock. Right. Kind of. Yeah. But like I, I've i been thinking about this and the only band that I can even really think of that does prog rock in the way it was done in the 70s is a band like the Mars Volta. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we didn't talk about the Mars Volta. I wanted to talk about that. But actually. it's it's completely different music because it's not from the white European classical music. It's from the Mexican, Latin American influenced, mm. you know, uh, Afro-Cuban polyrhythms type of vibe less than the dun, 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 right. orchestra vibe of yeah. things. But it's it goes in every direction. It's screaming Getty Lee style vocals. It's drums where it sounds like the dude has six arms playing. Yeah, and a lot of like weird time signatures. Yeah, crazy start stops and you know do, doing the kind of the the little carnival type of segues yeah, yeah, yeah. and those type of things. Um, but yeah, I mean that's I couldn't think of any other band in the last ten years that kind of does seventies prog rock. Yeah, that, I can't like, I can't think of anything like it like in this yeah. in the modern era the i only, feel like it's almost like completely phased out as like nobody would be like a old school hip-hop modern act no yeah do, I mean, yeah yeah because i feel we like it's dated in do the some time like ll cool j type yeah, stuff yeah. today i mean yeah you could the only the ol- enough time I the guess. only place i can go is heavier music yeah true yeah yeah. you know because so like I, what bands i because i don't listen to a ton of heavy yeah i, um, I feel like metal just swallowed the genre and i'm not like up on the modern metal scene the, well because the thing is is that i think that um you know the the the, the progress that like the prog rock influence think, on metal do you that think, also splintered off in a lot of weird ways do you think yeah well this is what i'm saying here like that that antithesis of the 70s hard rock prog bands gave way to the metal prog and that's how that genre kept progressing instead of it cutting off and then metal and then prog there was seamlessly kind of a, a oh prog-y yeah absolutely move. and i think it and was it because... just and it, it, it progressed heavier instead of progressing uh to maybe it's softer folkier tendencies from the 70s and i think the big driving factor is the fact that uh it is all guitar based stuff Right, because exactly. guitar players dig guitar players, man. Regardless of what, who's playing, what style, or whatever. If you, if a guitar player comes upon another guitar player, regardless of what they're playing, but it's good, you're like, okay, yeah, right. You know, so, um, yeah, I, th- I would say modern. Okay, the also, only- also the virtuoso playing of the genre is only seen really in metal today. That kind of virtuosoness, where it's, oh yeah, absolutely. it's like technically so lots of notes, yeah, lots yeah, of notes, lots, lots of notes, lots of lots that's of notes, yeah, me- like a that, Yingve Mounds theme, that, or that's, that's the metal genre all day. To you know, yeah, I mean the okay, I'll say this. Um, 
the only band that I can think of that is current that is doing anything remotely close to the original stuff uh, would be Opeth. Because Opeth, they... Yeah, you've played they, that for me. Yeah. Originally metally proggy and yeah, then, super and then metal, got yeah. uh, more like 70s influence. Well, and they did they did it sort of in, in a way that was kind of true to form, which was like the last album that came out, I think, was an uh, album either Ghost Reveries or Watershed. And then that was the only album they released for, I think, another eight years. I think that album came out like 2001, 2002, and we didn't get another Opeth album until like... 2009 maybe 8 or 9 and um and they were coming off of like this super super radio friendly like kind of clean this is coming out of the school of like when kill switch engage was also happening so it was like you don't even hear an inhale before the vocals are delivered it's so polished oh, everything yeah. is so crazy overproduced and polished didn't you tell me analog right they went deep. Yeah, so that's yeah. So he's coming out of this whole school, and you, li- uh, Mike Eckerfeld is the name of like the driving creative force behind Opeth, and so he basically did a hard turn and created an album that was very mellow, very in- incorporating a lot of like different kinds of like vibes, uh, different uh, sort of like percussive things going on in the album and stuff. Very murky, very like. It's basically like if the um, if you ate some bad mushrooms and ended up in the um, in the parallel universe of the Garden of Eden. I feel like that perfectly describes <laughs> that, this album. Th- that perfectly. That was a that was a very direct. Yeah. <laughs> That was a very direct <laughs> explanation. Yeah, where like you know, yeah, uh, God runs the show in the parallel. I mean, I'm sorry, the devil runs the show in the parallel Garden of Eden. That's what it feels like, though. It's like this really weird, hazy. It's kind of like all of the dark and evil qualities that you got from Rainbow or uh, Black Sabbath, or even like maybe a little bit of Blue Oyster Cult in there. A right. little bit of like that that's really spooky kind of Mellotron vibe that you get on like the B side of uh, um, King Crimson, the first King Crimson album. Um, and it was not well received initially because everyone's just like, it. "Where are they're like, where are my like screaming bloody gore growls and all that stuff?" Oh, yeah, and no I more screaming. Was, yeah, and I was just like, "This is amazing" because they basically took their like big Mesa boogie stacks and threw them out the window and bought a bunch of like vintage twin reverbs and Les Pauls and Strats and we're like, "All right, let's just like try to basically write a modern day like evil Scandinavian like because that's the thing though is that it's still their music was always categorized as kind of sounding sort of haunting and evil. You know, it's coming out of that same place of like the, like those, that kind of like weird uh, metal, that sort of gothic kind of uh, theatrical metal scene that came out, like maybe in like the early 2000s where you had like these kind of like, everyone was wearing makeup and, you know, you had like the Demu Borgers and stuff like that where it was like, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look through up some... Throw up some devil horns. Throw up guys. some devil horns. But I'm that's just a good Christian boy. I listen to this kind of music. But um, <laughs> but that's but I would okay. You know, I veered off a little bit. I kind of went on a tangent. But I'm just saying that I think that if there is a modern band that is still giving you that sort of nuanced '70s vibe, that's mm. doing progressive music, it would be Opeth. In contrast, coming out of metal. Um, you have guys like Tassin Abasi who plays for uh, animals what, as leaders. animals as leaders, which that is that is progressive music. It you know in a in a very very pure form, but it's a weird angle on it. It's like they took it's what's weird is is like the the shreddy guitar players took like the seven and eight string guitars from like Corn and Slipknot and basically were like, oh, we can play. 
bass notes and up, and we can do all these Ying Vei things with both hands what on about, an eight string guitar. What know? about Thundercat? Thundercat get thrown into like a. Oh, okay. A, I feel like oh. that's pro. When I listen to that, I'm like, that's yeah. prog sauce. That's yeah. noodle. Yeah, I mean, well, Thundercat to me is we we didn't touch on it, but we can take two minutes now. But in the '70s, the the flip side of the prog rock coin to me is jazz fusion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which we yeah, really yeah, did, yeah. we really didn't state, but like it's definitely we got time. We, that's we like got a, time, baby. Let's keep. That's talking, like American <laughs> blues and jazz based version of prog rock, right? And you know, Thundercat, yeah, Kendrick Lamar. Current, yeah, uh, current artists like that. It's jazz fusion. Yeah, but isn't jazz fusion kind of just like American prog rock? Yeah. Oh, I would. Like, I would. Yeah, I'd completely agree with that. Yeah, man. And and not that it was just Americans playing jazz fusion, but primarily. But it goes to show. But to tie somebody like Thundercat in with say modern hip hop, like going back to what we're talking about, these guys who are kind of pressing the boundaries of hip hop and how we kind of understand, like Anderson Pac. You know, I mean. Um, who did uh, Thundercat hopped on a Tiny Desk concert with who was it oh was it was Mac it? Miller Mac Miller mm-hmm. yeah but it's like yeah man I mean, he, I mean uh, yeah, remarkable producer, bass player producers like Flying Lotus are mm. guys who are drawing I think Alice Coltrane's nephew I think oh that, yeah I yeah. think, <laughs> I think <laughs> that's who, so he's spent his whole life listening to crazy jazz fusion from the 70s and 80s yeah and now he's a dude who's producing for guys who are on the radio yeah and that's another influence uh on prog rock too i think that we didn't really touch on was Was, i mean and let's talk the the jazz angle yeah which is like we get you know just we're not gonna like dive deep but like miles davis progressed every time you have uh uh miles davis is playing with charlie parker bebop you have the birth of cool miles davis you have uh hard bop miles davis was an innovator in that genre you have modal jazz miles davis uh, Miles Davis. Well, then you kind of have free jazz in there that which he didn't really touch on super, super until he got you know to his second great band. But like in every point, Miles Davis was innovating his genre until he innovated from free jazzy to you know completely out there fusion. You know. Oh yeah, his fusion stuff got crazy. And then, but even right before he died too, man. If you listen to uh, Dubop. That's Hip-hop. another album where you're like, oh, okay, but I see he, what he's he doing was, here. He believed like, in innovating the genre, which was, is where Prague was born out of, an innovation of the genre of rock. You yeah, know? yeah, but it, I think Prague rock boxed itself in. Yeah, whereas that, jazz that's where it was itself kind out. of had that ability to kind of. I don't know. I think I think jazz, if we're talking in popular music, squeezed itself out as well because not oh. every jazz player, Miles Davis, was out really on his own. He he jumped off the cliff and not a lot of people went with him. Yeah, uh, the only you know, guy like, who was I mean, in his Sonny band. Rollins did some stuff. Who was in his band at the time? Ron Carter. You know, it was offered the job to go into the fusion, right? And he was like, "Ah, ah I play the oh, upright yeah, bass. Yeah. Get out of here, guy." And you know, Ron yeah, Carter like had a career afterwards, but none of those guys. But and you look at jazz as a popular form of music. It boxed itself out, really. Buy yeah, because if you listen to any, I'm sorry, if you talk to any person who's just kind of a moderate listener of jazz, they're really only listening to like like kind of blue, blue train, 
maybe like Saxophone Colossus. Jazz. Just kind of like these really approachable sort of like pop, albums. Pop jazz. Yeah, yeah pop jazz. In, I, I'd say I jazz think- today has a new rebirth. At, I feel like it's happening kind of right now where you have a lot of music because everything's so accessible. Jazz is kind of innovating itself in, back into popular music a little yeah. bit because like there are plenty of like, you know, great great stuff being released right now that is heavily jazzy. Yeah. But it's also the drums are kind of maybe a little bit Neil Purdy, a little proggy. Yeah. You know? And I feel like it might be coming back in that form, but you know, like it's definitely the the flip side of the coin. Yeah, and and I mean, Jazz Fusion, one of my favorite albums, Blow Blow by Blow, Jeff Beck. Mm. It's <laughs> crazy Jazz Fusion. It's special sauce on everything. It's yeah. a little bit of a whirlwind of a virtuosic guitar, but Jeff Beck influenced definite prog rock dudes like Steve Vai. Joe, oh yeah, Joe Satriani. These guitar gods Mike who Portnoy. usually don't even play with. A, not, not. They don't even play with a vocalist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, not Mike Portnoy. I'm, Mike Portnoy is the drummer for Dream Theater. Oh yeah, uh, Dream John, Theater. John Petrucci was the is the guitar yeah. player. Yeah, even but, yeah. yeah, Dream Theater. Like that's a, a Definite huge prog following. Prog, you know. Yeah. yeah, and then they had they had another offshoot it was called Li- Liquid Tension Experiment. That yeah, was with Tony Levin. Yeah, yeah, that was that was all I think instrumental stuff. They didn't have any vocals yeah. on that. But yeah, I mean. So yeah, in terms of modern uh, bands, say that are kind of like carrying the torch. I mean, maybe that's it. What, I don't. I ab- can't really think of. What about this? Uh, this idea of like, is this prog rock? Like, it, are the are the middle four Metallica albums prog rock? See, I was thinking that the whole time, and I I would say yes. Like everything Absolutely. between Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets. And Justice for All, those to me, those all seem oh, like prog rock. It's especially music, and Justice but... for All, and Justice for yeah. All gives you like these long sort of like saga songs. Yeah. I mean, one obvious, you know, these are concept songs, and, you know, and, and they're and, long and form, different tempos, different feels, uh, yeah. slow parts, acoustic yeah. parts. Like, like is a, is a current band today that is very much a metal band, but like is Mastodon? Oh, I was going to bring up Mastodon prog actually. Prog rock band. Yeah, because. They have three vocalists who all sing different style. They uh, go in every direction. Yeah. And, you know, they don't have necessarily like classical music figures or things like that, but at times, kind of. Yeah. No, I would, I would definitely, definitely agree with that. Cause that's, I was, cause I was trying to think about maybe modern metal bands that could fall under the yeah. prog uh, genre. Yeah. And I was thinking, okay, other than Between the Bear and Me and like Dream Theater and Opeth. You know, Mastodon would definitely be up there. I mean, they at at the very least on me as a very young, impressionable guitar player in high school. Mastodon was just like, oh my god, you know, like you know, very very busy, or very like, busy music. Like I don't listen to them, but there there was a time, fifteen years ago, I listened to them for a bit. Uh, Coheed and Cambria. Oh, oh yeah, which oh to my me, gosh, that, that's like the, that's forgot. like the early two thousands emo core version. Yeah. of rush yeah, <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> like, like down to how the vocals sound to like what the structure of the songs and how it's it's third person perspectives of this space saga and yeah. all this mythology that i can't i couldn't even scratch the surface i listened to the first three albums and then when i was reading all these magazines about oh it's so crazy the storylines they have i was just like i i, I like, couldn't even story? grasp those <laughs> yeah yeah <you laughs> i didn't even i had no idea i just listened to the songs i thought there were a lot of good songs yeah but, but i couldn't get and, i didn't get into the mythology of it all but yeah there's a lot of mythology to yeah. get into there's a whole like anime there's a whole universe yeah, yeah. So, um i was thinking as as we're talking about these bands and you said go and cambria i thought uh maybe system of a down yeah 
Yeah. yeah. You know, so definitely. Yeah. And they, they take a lot of Frank Zappa type things, that absurdist, yeah. like, even like the love kind of yeah, pomp, yeah. pomp, you know, pomp and circumstance, but. But yeah. also from, um, where are they from? Uh, San not, Diego, uh, right? They are, yeah, Armenian, Armenian immigrant yeah. families. And yeah. so it's taking musical cues from the Middle East. And yeah, and yeah I mean, yeah, I, I, I love System of a Down. And I listen to them constantly. Great band. And it's yeah, like, so good, man. I, I guess know. they're a metal band. But a lot of people who listen to metal would, would not be able to take the absurd... No like spin of system of a doubt. Yeah, dude, I I know I know so or I knew, I should say. I knew so many like people who were you know, obviously I was in a couple metal bands here and there, you know, back in the day whatever. Uh, the vast Shout majority. them out. N- name some of them. Oh god. <laughs> um I love metal, metal band names. <laughs> All Hails Beneath. Oh, I like that one. This Fragile Lifeline. Ooh. <laughs> that was the name of your band. Yeah, that was the name of one of my bands. That's a dashboard confessional cover band. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. Have some respect. We only covered Hawthorne Heights. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Ohio is for lovers, uh, guys. Lost in Ruin was another one. Lost, and that was that. Was, those were that was the Seether years. So everything is just like dark and depressing. Yeah. Lost in Ruin. You know, oh, we man. played some shows. My, we had some fun. My my childhood band names are really stupid. Oh, let's yeah, let's hear them. Uh, okay, we have Stabbing Steve. <laughs> it's a ska, that sounds like a ska band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Heavy on the trombone. <laughs> we have. Uh, what else do we rock for a minute? Uh, today, today. Oh, today. today. Uh, we uh, this one never like really formed, but this was like a, an idea. Uh, the extremities. Oh, the oh, extremities. That, that <laughs> but my main my main one was the quiet room. The quiet room. Yeah. Named after an Incredible Hulk episode. Hey, man. Wow. You guys dug deep for the for a name. <laughs> it's Cameron. It was Cameron. He's yeah. obsessed with it. Yeah. I but, don't know. But I mean, like, when you were playing metal, yeah. this was 15-ish years ago. Yep. Mid-2000s. Were you playing metal music that was very much in kind of the format of what was popular metal at that time? Or were were you ever in a metal band that was trying to do all these progressive type of turns yeah i would say that the uh the the complete okay so we the bands the actual legitimate bands that i was in were very very much steeped in the music at the time it was very a la as i lie dying mm-hmm. all that remains uh shadows fall mm-hmm. kill switch engage miss may I, uh, miss may i came later but you know whatever parkway drive all that stuff um there there was a point when i was jamming with a, a, a friend of mine uh where we were really trying to kind of take the August Burns red approach to metal, which I mean, prog ish prog prog esque. Like there's, there's nuance. Like it's their prog in the way to where like they maybe don't play the same riff twice in a song. It's continuously moving music. There's no like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It's very much just kind of like the song is just. Oh, that would give me anxiety. Beginning to end. (laughs) Come on, Brian Wilson over here. You should love that. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) There's a chorus, bro. There's a chorus. (laughs) There's a chorus. Yeah, the chorus is ambient sounds on like a glass harp. You fucking. You pretentious prick. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, we need more uh, Tibetan prayer prayer bowl sounds. Exactly. But, um,. But yeah, I mean, never. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say. I, I I wouldn't say that any of the bands that I was in were that were like formed bands ever really kind of did anything like that. Because I because to be fair, I was probably the only one of the group that was just kind of like, hey man, 
let's push in this direction yeah like let's see let's like let's check this out let's check that out and they're just like nah that's because we're trying to like stay we're trying to do the metalcore thing yeah we're trying to do the hardcore metalcore you had people you had people who could play a genre of music (laughs) (laughs) we're all just like well whatever comes out i guess that's what we sound like yeah i mean that, that might be the best way to go about it yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not a bad look. I'm just saying, in hindsight, I would rather listen to your old bands than my old bands. Oh, that's that's rough. But thank you. You know, <laughs> not that. And I'm just because it's just this is the thing, man. Is like that those kinds of guitar lines to me now the metalcore guitar lines they're just so ugh, they're so corny. You know, it's just like chugging on the open D string because you're in drop D, obviously. Yeah, that'd be a good album like, name, chugging on the open D. Chugging on the open D. <laughs> 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 it's, it's Captain Ahab on a on a on the giant letter D. Yeah. Anyway, the, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's just I don't know. It's like it's it's corny to me now. At the time, obviously, that was the that was the shit. It was like if you weren't listening to if you weren't wearing a Kill Switch Engage T-shirt, you were wearing an ACDC Back in Black T-shirt. Mm. You know what I mean? That was kind of, like for people who are like into like kind of whatever. You know, at, at least at my, in my experience in high school, that was kind of the vibe. Mm. You know, and I definitely started at the Metallica end of the scale, but I finished at very much the cannibal corpse end of the thing you know so like <laughs> so like every and, and everything in between you know what i mean but that was the thing though was that that you know people were wearing people were wearing trip pants when we were in high school you know so there were my my wife included the mall goth yeah the, jade yeah. had the best pants oh man, man. Jade was the gothiest she goth had, at her school, oh, I she think. Was so gothy. Um, other than was, Reed, other than who Reed, wore the fishnet shirt with uh, no shirt underneath, and eyeliner, black nail polish. <laughs> Man. You know, it was a different time, but <laughs> but that but that was very much in the in the you know what I mean. Like people, you, you weren't talking about yes, you were talking about like the new you know the new Killswitch album or whatever. So it was like that, but that was another type of music that very much ended up becoming what. I would call now as dad rock. I mean, my mom was like, hey, have you heard this Trivium song? And I'm like, Trivium? I listened to Trivium when I was like a sophomore. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? You know? And she's get, like, get in the pit, mom. Yeah, you know? And I'm just, and then I put on like the first trivia Trivium album and she's like, oh, yeah, I don't, I'm not really into this. And I'm just like, yeah, this, and then, and then because I'm just kind of like. It, because though it boxed itself out and then went more to mainstream, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's how it is. Like my parents are like going to see Five Finger, you know, well not now obviously, but they were, you know, they, they went to go see pre-COVID. like, yeah, pre-COVID, went to go see like Five Finger Death Punch and stuff. And I'm like, my mom is going to see like this genre of music that when I was listening to it in high school, they're like, you know, gosh, Mikey's really angry these days, huh? <laughs> I'm just like, you, you need to read the lyrics, mom. They're about love and loss. <laughs> like, all that stuff. And they're like, you're an idiot. All he and wanted was mom. a Pepsi. <laughs> well, no, and that, now now my parents are like, hey, man, you know, you, just, you know that that new uh, whatever song is like is killer. And I'm just, oh, but Avenged Sevenfold's another one that they're like really into. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, Unholy Confessions, like the, you know, and I, I, of course, I cite like the first two albums. And they're like, no, not that stuff. Like later on, still going like, strong, I guess. Yeah, no, I they definitely know. are. They definitely are. We kind of veered off the the prog rock thing well, here, but it's. I will turn, turn, turn. I feel like we're we're talking progression, really. Well, and to bring yeah. it back to prog rock, is is it possibly the case that we're talking about music from our teen years, basically? Yeah, mid late two thousands. Did prog rock kind of miss our generation? Because we talked about how music gets passed down, possibly from your parents' collection, but like, yeah. My dad didn't listen to Russian Yes and Yeah. Like my parents listened to late seventies era disco music. 
Yeah. Like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Chic, and Chicago, and so I I never was exposed to prog rock. Yeah. Until I sought it out when I was thirteen, fourteen years old, and I think that's the case for maybe a lot of people of our generation because prog rock for teenagers in the seventies was kind of this like Dungeons and Dragons kind of secret thing. You didn't really yeah. tell people about that you're into. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so maybe like one out of every 10 dads listened to that when they were teenagers. Yeah. And then it gets like less likely to be passed down mm-hmm. in a musical tradition. Well, I think especially with us too, the way that we consumed music, whereas generations of the past, like their parents just always had records and stuff mm. where the, the new for us, I mean the hip way of consuming your music was Napster was all that you know what I mean and it was much more yeah you were you weren't you, you were, were listening to what everybody else was listening exactly. to at the time rather than being like I'm doing a deep dive on you my mean, dad's record you mean Creed songs that were mislabeled on Napster as by Metallica <laughs> yeah because that's what I was listening to <laughs> yeah no absolutely <laughs> and it's like pixely like or is that it's it's my life by Metallica <laughs> and it's the Bon Jovi song. <laughs> You know, like that's yeah. Uh, oh, terribly labeled. Uh, yeah, every yeah, reggae like, song, like it's Bob Marley songs, labeled yeah. Sublime. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. yeah. Um, but I, th- I think it missed. I think it missed our our generation. Yeah, the only absolutely. Time, I'd say the only. And, and again, yeah, like like what we kept going back to was how uh, Prague just kind of like rode the metal train. That's mm. kind of how I got into Prague was mm. because I heard. Um, uh, that be- I heard uh off the album Alaska Selkies that between the bear and me song and I was like oh this is so different and it's moving in a different mm. kind of a direction and at first I don't really think I understood it but that was the door that opened me up I think to considering even mm. listening to prog rock from the jump and then also like my mother who was a huge Doors fan and mm. so it's kind of like those two things like I was like really into metal and stuff but like I grew up listening to my my dad listened to Queensryche heavily so there's already that kind of thing happening mm. and then you know the 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 appreciation for maybe like an older sound mm. that the Doors gives and it's kind of like well where's the middle ground in that I mean it's and, and the Doors has some of those seeds of prog rock because it it a lot of it functions around the classical arpeggios and all that yeah. off the keyboard. Art, I would say the doors so. get classified as art rock, which yeah. would get classified later as prog rock. Right. That was the art of the day. And yeah. it sounds like, you know, harpsichord and or- organ craziness. Yeah. And they would yeah. play like kind of uh, maybe what you might call like a traditional American drinking song on an album yeah, or something yeah, like that. Sure. You know what I mean? Or, you know. Yeah. So. Oh, uh, yeah. No, no, I dig that. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, I uh, think. Uh, turn, 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 guys. Turn, to everything turn, turn. there is a season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that about wraps it up for Prog Rock. We've gone for almost two hours, so this is a good, you well, know, much, much, one. Mu- it's, it's, it's not, lo- it's the only thing that's longer is a Neil Peart drum solo. <laughs> uh, and we need a gong. <laughs> can we, real quick, before we end the show though, Jeff, we like to do a little thing is like, what have you been listening to lately? What were you going to say? Lately? Oh, I was going to say, even before that, let's, uh, Jeff, plug, you know, your band, Peelers Poppers. Oh, What's yes. going on with that? Oh, yeah, man. Jeff I'm, is a guitar player. Were yes, you a singer? he is. Yeah, I'm in a funk rock band called the Peerless Poppers. We're based here in Connecticut, in eastern Connecticut. Um, um, live music kind of is shut down worldwide, but we're playing a festival next week in Maine, in Brunswick, Maine, called Summer Jam Camp Out 2020. Check out the website, summerjamcampout.com, or the Facebook page, Peerless Poppers. That's the band. Um, so yeah, yeah. Right Support on. your local music. And, and Mike, Mike played with us this past weekend. Mike joined us for I did guitar and percussion. <laughs> yeah, right on. I think I think I, I played much more effectively on percussion than I did on guitar, dude. I was telling Jeff, 
I was like, oh, I'm so rusty. Sloppy noodles. Slop jalop, dude. And I, and everything I played was soaked in delay. Just, just and, and like we like <laughs> long, long timed, long repeat delay. Yeah, my, my and just favorite. like single, single note. Yeah, because because <laughs> yeah. the thing was, was, I picked my guitar up and I'm like. I haven't played guitar in like five months. Yeah. This feels just like a foreign object in my hand. So I'm like, well, <laughs> let's see. And then my amp busted. Oh. It didn't work. I plugged it in. Yeah. Didn't work, whatever. So I had to plug into the amp that Jeff was using. And not to get into like got, amplifiers got and the muddy. way they react and everything. But things got a little bit muddy. EL34s react a little bit differently than a uh, whatever the ones are that are in Fenders. AX12, 7s, whatever. Anyway, the point is, is that if you play a tube amp, you as a guitar player are very used to the reactivity of said tube amp. And when that changes, it trips you up a little bit, and then you add not playing for five months, and mm. that basically means I'm just going to throw on the big muff and put on crazy delay and just make a bunch of noisy sounds over stuff because I'm like, well. I guess that's what that just means to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I make noises very well. I'll Thank just you very say much. Mike went to detuning the low E string. Oh, man. He went to that move only like three songs in. Oh, my God. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> when Mike pulled off the first detuning solo, it, that, it, was that, blew, that was that genuine. blew minds. That blew that was, minds. That was a genuine moment. I'll I, give you that. I think I, I watched a hippie girl almost fall feel. to the floor in conniption. Oh, yeah, man. Ah! Oh, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, now when I do it, I did, as I'm doing it, I'm just like, oh, this is so stupid. Because, because you know, because like when a, when a magical musical moment actually happens and it's pure, it's profound. But every time you do it after that, it's like cheesy, and you're like, "How am I doing this thing?" Again? Yeah, that's why Pete Townsend don't want to smash his guitar, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, so real quick, you know, we're not going to take a whole bunch of time up doing this, but yeah. Jeff, what have you been listening to lately? Um, I've been listening to a lot of stuff recently. Brand new albums from one of my favorite current bands, Heim. It was a trio of sisters based in California. It's great 80s pop, kind of like Fleetwood Mac, but a little bit of everything. Mm. Um, a new album by Krunbin, which is this oh. mystical, sexy, laid-back R&B funk music, um, I think out of Houston, Texas. What, um, what was that called? Krunbin. It's Krunbin. spelled I just listened to that album too. K-H-R-U-A-N-G-B-I-N. It's a, I believe it's a Turkish word. Or the Thai, Thai or Turkish word for airplane. Maybe it's Thai. Maybe oh, that's right on. It it's really good, though. Um, beautiful music. Really yeah, Krunbin. Um, and then I'm listening to you know some of my standbys, which are Frank Ocean, Snarky Puppy, Ghost Note, uh, Wolfpack. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I've been digging back, back uh, into the Marvin Gaye and the Miles Davis and. A lot of that 70s, early 70s music, late 60s, uh, especially soul music, because, you know, current times, it's good to look back yeah. at the music that came out during other troubled times when you're going through these kind of times. So, yeah, um, yeah that's what I'm listening to. Nice. Luke? Uh, I really kind of went on a, a rap kick this week. Listen to some, uh, some Biggie. Oh, nice. Uh, Listen to some ODB. Listen to some Wu-Tang. <laughs> cool, man. Uh, Some Tribe. Uh, so I'm kind of riding that vibe, um, you know, just listening to a little bit, trying to expand my hip hop taste a little bit, trying to learn my hip hop history, if you will, you know, a little more. 
Uh, I definitely have spun some NWA. Mm. You know, those are stuff that I'm a little more familiar with. But like uh, the ODB was like maybe something I wasn't so familiar with. So I spun that and I enjoyed it. And then I definitely put on uh, Wu Tang, which I you know Mike plays all the time for me. But I'm you know it never really quite sticks. But I really got into some Wu Tang this week. So. Yeah, Thirty Six Chambers. Oh uh, yeah, man, Kill Bees. <laughs> you gotta listen to the new Run the Jewels album. Yeah, oh, is that it's where it's good. at? Yeah, it's really good. It's like Public Enemy. I'll have to give it a spin. Yeah, twenty twenty. I like. I. I mean, I like all of. I like all the Run the Jewel stuff. Mm. But yeah, that new yeah, album. It, it's good. It's really yeah. good. Right on. Um, what you got, Mike? What you got? I um, <clears throat> I bought a couple of records. Oh yeah. Recently, mm. let's hear about the Shags. Um, <laughs> the Shags. <laughs> Philosophy uh, of the world. Talk about progressive. Better <laughs> than the Beatles. Uh, progressive puke. Um. Yeah, picking up Degressive. a couple. De- yeah, regress, <laughs> regressive, degressive, de- Um, yeah, no, I picked up a couple albums. I got this album uh, by a man named David Bromberg. Actually, it was remember I took a picture and I was like, "Hey, man, have you ever seen this album?" Before? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I saw like five albums after that on Instagram, so our phones are definitely listening. Jeez, <laughs> uh, oh, Big Brother, baby. Well, yeah. Anyway, what was the name again? Uh, da- uh, David Bromberg. Bromberg. Um, what is that kind of music? It's like I don't. I, it came out in '72. Some of the musicians that are on it that did a couple sessions, set some session work for the album, uh, include members of the Grateful Dead. I think Jerry's on it. I don't know Bob Weir's oh, okay. on it. Um, but it kind of has that like. Uh, there, there's definitely like some folk influence, mm-hmm. even though there's kind of like some rockers on it too. There's definitely some folky vibes, kind of. Uh, Irish influenced folky vibes. Okay. Um, and it's, I mean, it's worth a listen. It's cool. The lyric is delivered in a way that's more like talking on, kind of Dylan esque, or like, um, who was the other one? Uh, not, not like the timber of Leonard Cohen, but you know what I mean? Like that sure. yeah. kind of like a more like uh, talky Tom, singing. Tom Waits. Kind of? Or Tom Waits, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like Tom Waits. talking, talking on pitch kind of thing, you know, like that kind of a vibe. And it was okay. I mean, it's not totally my cup of tea, but I mean, something new. Know. Yeah, something yeah. new. Um, and let me think, what else did I pick up? Oh, uh, I just picked up the band's, uh, Moondog Matinee. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, good album, man. Yeah, it's a covers album. Yeah, it was only, and it was, it was only a couple bucks, but I, I don't know. I thought it really delivered. I really, I really liked it. I thought I it was, say, I love the, the vocal effect on uh, the, that first song there. Uh, where he's like, he's like, I could sing like a frog, and it's got the um, <laughs> it's got that like vocoder, like vo- he's oh, like, cool. dah, 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 dah. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's, I love it. Um, Probably ran it through like a Leslie speaker or something. Yeah, it, it like goes like this. It's like, <laughs> it, it's and one strange cocaine fueled binge. <laughs> yeah, that like, al- that album sounds to be like the album that Coke yeah. built. <laughs> yeah, um, and another album that I thought was a standout album that I bought and. Uh, for anyone who's listening, Luke has vouched for it as well. Pretty much any of these like 75th reissue Blue Note albums that you can purchase online or at your local record store. Oh, they're usually really good. They're all, oh, I mean, there's no, yeah. I and yeah, like, never, I don't even know what they are and I'll just be like, I'm in the mood to listen to some jazz and I'll buy one at the yeah. record store when I and go. And they're super for, like, the thing is, man, is like, listen, I'm a, I am a product of like the early 2000s in the way that I was used to going out and spending like 25 bucks on a CD. Mm. So, and and that's what I love about these represses is that they sound great. They're the Rudy Van Gelder uh, like remasters and all that, and um, they just sound awesome. And I picked up Wayne Shorter's uh, Night Dreamer. Okay. And um, yeah, great album, man. Really, really good. And I actually i uh, i posted a thing to my Instagram of the like the liner notes on the back. Right. 
And Jeff actually commented on it because it was, um, I'm trying to remember what it said, but basically it was kind of like this album is kind of, um, it's kind of looking at the world. Uh, there's, I think one of the names of the album, uh, one, one of the names of the songs on the album is Armageddon. And yep. the interviewer was like, Armageddon, isn't that kind of like a grim way of looking at the world or whatever? And he's like, I don't, it was something to the effect of Wayne Shorter commenting and being like, I don't think that Armageddon necessarily means our destruction. I think Armageddon is like the awakening of human beings. Oh, and I'm just like, right on, guy. This, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's on the back of a jazz album. And it's, but it, it makes sense, though, because then you look at like a Love Supreme and you open up that gatefold and you're like, oh my God, all, all praise be unto God. Like this very spiritually influenced thing. Um, and very I, I would, spiritual, very spiritual, very spiritual, hypnotic, hypnotic. <laughs> uh, so yeah, those are just a couple albums that I've been listening to. That Wayne Shorter album is amazing. Check it out or any other of the Blue Note repress albums are fire, fire. And on that album, I, it was between that and Speak, uh, Speak No Evil, right? That's the other Wayne Shorter album. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll Speak No Evil. I went with Night Dreamer on the one basis that Lee Morgan is on Night Dreamer, but he is not on, um... Uh, see no evil so I was like well if Lee Morgan's on it then I'll uh, if I'm gonna spend 25 bucks I'll spend the 25 bucks on the one that Lee Morgan's on that's not a knock on speaking no evil because I think that's probably his mo- you know that was if Wayne Shorter had a most popular album I think see no evil will probably be it but uh, Night Dreamer rips man it's a great plays great it's, yeah, so check it's that out. beautiful yeah it's a beautiful album you know so I really get, enjoy get it. your get your jazz on get your jazz on people definitely Ugh. anyway so I think that about wraps it up want to thank Jeffrey for coming out and Jeff doing May. the podcast Thanks, with us. Fun. Yeah, absolutely. We hope we will be seeing you again. Uh, you know, we enjoy talking to you and stuff. And uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, you know, we're constantly trying to think up uh, fun stuff to uh, fun stuff to cover and things to do. Uh, as always, if you have any suggestions, any questions, comments, or anything like that, you can find us at getinthegaragepodcast at gmail.com. Yep. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, all the stuff. Yeah. So, Until next time, guys. Get in the garage. Get in the garage. Bye-bye. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information and links to other shows, please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.